Good evening, folks. Tonight, we remember and pay tribute to former host of Review and Preview, Brian Marbach, who sadly passed away on Friday, September 24th. Brian hosted Review and Preview for three plus years from 2015 to the beginning of 2018. Brian also served as a sports producer, studio host, and commentator for the WCWP Sports Department. Several of Brian's friends, colleagues, and former members of Review and Preview join me tonight as we honor Brian's legacy. Brian usually had the furthest commute to the WCWP radio station out of anybody who worked at WCWP. First guy in, last guy out. Um, Brian, this one's for you tonight, my friend. I love you, buddy. And without further ado, this is Review and Preview. This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Well, guys, thank you all so much for joining me tonight. Good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside my two regular co-hosts in the top row, Kyle Russo and James Montefusco. And then on my bottom, that is Griffin Ward, Tommy the Mac McNamara, and then Johnny Montalbano. And obviously, Brian Marbach has passed away. Um, very unfortunate. We lost Brian on September 24th, 2021. And before we kind of get everybody's thoughts, I just want to thank everybody who's tuning in tonight. Please make sure to share this podcast with your family, friends, colleagues. We really appreciate all the support. We are live on Facebook and YouTube as well. So if you would like to drop a comment, please feel free to drop a comment in the comments section. We will get back to you as soon as we can. And make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms at Review and Preview Sports on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the Anchor. And of course, our YouTube channel is Review and Preview Sports. This is the first actual Review and Preview show that is being streamed on YouTube in addition to Facebook Live and Guys, um, Johnny and Tommy, I'm going to start with both of you. Um, we didn't have a show last week, and for good reason. It's just, it's very sad that we lost Brian, Johnny. And I mean, the least we could do is pay tribute to him and his family and friends here tonight. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. Uh, I know it's been two weeks, uh, and I'm still, like everybody, still struggling with the news. Um, and people have seen it. I've just, even to this day, you know, it's just, it's shocking. It's sad because, you know, we had him on the show just three weeks ago for our 10th anniversary. And, you know, when just looking at him, we haven't talked in a while and we, we spoke on that show and everything seemed great. And, you know, when you, when we spoke that Saturday about what happened, I mean, it just it hit me to the core and, you know, Brian, I, I have a lot of great memories of Brian. You know, he was with me for a couple of years, or he was with me for a short time, actually, before I, I moved down here to South Carolina. And I can tell you, I mean, he was, you know, one of the, the night one of the nicest people you can meet. He was very dedicated to the show. Like you said, you know, he lived all the way out on the east end of Long Island. The WCWP studios were in Brookville, New York. I mean, that is, uh, in the north on the North Shore in Nassau County. And so I know if people are listening from outside of Long Island, don't understand. Brian commuted about two plus hours every day, one way. 
to come do the show. And at the time, we were only doing one to two hour shows once a week. And he was, like you said, first one in, last one out. You could just tell from day one how dedicated, how passionate he was to doing the show. And out, and then off the air and on the air, how much, how nice of a guy he was. So this really hit me hard because he took over the show for me when I moved down here to South Carolina. And yeah. it's just tough. I mean, it's even tougher since we just spoke three weeks ago and everything seemed all right. Yeah. Um, and of course, our thoughts and prayers are with the Marbach family during Absolutely. this time. Tommy Mack, I want to turn to you. Brian and you and Brian date back to before any of the five of us were even alive. You guys played high school football against each other. So just talk to me about your thoughts on Brian's life and you know what he really meant to you, not just as a you know colleague at Review and Preview, but as a friend. Yeah, uh, we became friends after our uh, high school playing days. Uh, I, I we knew of you know him and um, his team and stuff like that, but we didn't become close until twenty five to thirty years later. And I wish our reconnection would have happened earlier, uh, but thankfully it did because he was one of my better friends that I've ever had, and he's um, we spoke every week. Uh, even after he left the show, like it, there wasn't like, okay, we're not doing the show anymore, so there's no reason reason for us to talk. No, we, we became really good friends. Uh, we spoke every week. We played golf once in a while. Um, and he, he was just – he was a special guy. It, I mean, you guys know that. Uh, he was just somebody that would um, – do you need anything? He'll, he'll help you out if he could. Um, and – his girlfriend Marcy um, said that she was that he was the best guy that she's ever met, and that says a lot because you know Brian um, he would do anything for anybody, uh, and he was just you know it's it's hard to say but you know his family and friends who were all at the uh, wake and funeral. Um, it, it showed a lot about what he meant to people because there was a lot of people there showing their love and support for not only him but his family. So, um, he's a grand that he's going to be terribly missed. I just remember driving 80 miles east from my house on Tuesday morning for Brian's wake and had just this sick feeling in my stomach. But at the same time, you know, I was happy that I would get to reconnect with Brian one last time. Um, and Tommy, I still think to this day, he helped you hit that last hole on the golf course on that oh. one Saturday or Sunday, whatever it was, oh. he was there with okay. you. That's exactly right. Um, I played golf the Sunday after he passed away at his, um, golf course where he was a member. And it was very strange being there. I was, with, I was there with uh, my cousin and two of his friends. And golf will never be the same for me, actually, you know, playing because I played a lot with him. And when Brian and I spoke on the phone every Monday when he was um, driving to work, we spoke about, well, he, he played golf like four or five times a week. So he would just tell me how he's doing. And I played with him several times. But anyway, on the last, on the 18th hole, I hit a putt to save save the money. You know, I was, we were betting 
and I hit this putt and it rolled up and it had no business going in. There was no slope, there was nothing. And as I'm walking, and the guy who would have won starts, you know, talking like, all right, I won. And as I'm walking to get my ball, all of a sudden, bloop, it goes in. And it wasn't hanging on the edge. It was a good two inches away. And all of a sudden, I felt like Brian kicked it in for me. And that is no lie. Brian was good on the course. I'm driving home like, thanks, Brian. You saved me some money, man. <laughs> it was awesome. It was that that putt I had no business going in. It was great. It was great. Griffin, I'm going to turn to you now. You had a very close relationship with Brian as well. You met him shortly after me, and you and him were great pals. I mean, we remember all the late nights at the station. We would get food. He would pay for us yeah. and yeah. gracious uh, self-being. But he was an outstanding dude, not just in the station, but outside of the station as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a very close relationship. Um, you know, he was a mentor for me. Um, not only did he kind of take me in when I came into the WCWP in 2016. He also just kind of showed me the ropes. He was very inviting, showed me how to run the board. And, you know, um, I just remember, Tom, where you were saying um, those late nights we were spending in the studio. Um, I remember when uh, the Pioneers were in the playoffs my freshman year. We did that hour-long pregame show, which was terrible. <laughs> No, it was good. It was good. It was just a nightmare behind the scenes. And I was never like just sitting and talking about life with him. I mean, um, I would run the board for football games when he would, uh, he'd be the studio host and just, just talking about life, you know, shooting the breeze and <laughs> telling him about my night the night before and him just kind of laughing and uh, just like giving me that look. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, Brian was a great guy. He was get the shirt shirt off his back kind of guy. Um, could have asked for a better mentor and, and friend coming into WCWP. Yeah. Now, Kyle, I'm going to get to you here because you were an intern when you first met Brian Marbach. And you, I had just met you and Brian was already inviting you on shows and stuff. And I feel like just the way he groomed everybody was outstanding. And now we have you here four years later as a part of this show, which I never thought I would have saw you here on this show. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I've been thinking a lot about it since Brian's passing. And really, you know, obviously my start here at Review and Preview, Tom, was when, you know, you called me and you invited me to be a co-host and be a part of the show. But in reality, when I was an intern, you know, Brian was the one on those Saturdays when we were covering Pioneer games early in the morning and I was uh, cutting up some highlights or, or doing whatever, just shadowing or just watching what was going into a broadcast. You know, me and Brian, we'd have conversations about football that would be going on the next day on Sunday. We'd be talking about the Pioneers. We'd be talking about life just like everybody else is saying. We'd just be talking, just having normal conversation. And, you know, for a kid, a 17-year-old in high school being surrounded by – obviously a bunch of college kids you know not to say that nobody was inviting but just to, him being the adult there being as inviting as he was being as kind as he was not only being a friend but also helping me learn these things as well and which has gotten me to this point to the point where uh, again brian invited me just to sit in on his shows when they were at the time i think they were on thursday 
he, he would he would invite me and say, hey, come come watch the show. I want you to sit in. I, I want to hear your takes as well. And, and just such an unbelievable person. And, you know, Tom, when you told me, you know, when, when Brian's uh, funeral was taking place, I, I felt so awful that I couldn't be there because of the fact what he did for me. You know, I talk about it all the time with people, you know, years later. Finding my love for radio started at WCWP. And Brian really giving me that first opportunity to sit inside of a studio during a show and then to eventually work myself up to, you know, being called and being considered to be a part of the show long term. Or at that point in time, you know, Brian holds a huge, you know, hand in that ability and, and where I am today and the choices that I've made going further with a career in, in radio as well. So Brian, like everybody else has said so far, has just played such a such a big role really in my life and my decisions when I really think about it. And uh, may he rest in peace because he really meant a lot to obviously all of us and me, he meant as well a lot. And before I get to James here, I just want to say, I remember the first time I met Brian Marbach, it was virtually on a meeting. It was the football broadcasts for LIU Post and there was three people there. It was me, Greg and Brian. That's all it was. Dan Cox was engineering our first game in Virginia. And then a few days after our first game, we're preparing for the broadcast the next week. And Brian asks us on my first review and preview show ever, what percentage do the Yankees and Mets have at making the playoffs? Tommy <laughs> Mack says the Yankees have a 25% chance to make the playoffs. And I, Tommy, I, I spoke to you about this. You said the Yankees have a 25% chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. Brian thought you were crazy, and it turned out that you were right. So kudos to you on that. I mean, Brian had a lot of hot takes on the show. So did you, Tommy. And Tommy used to write everything down, Brian and I said. And yep. You guys made me feel very, very comfortable on my first show. Hold on. I remember some of those hot takes. Yeah. I mean, we know Griffin had Ocho Cinco as a top ten yeah. receiver. I still stand by it. Um, Tommy Mack came in with his New York Jets blazer on – the Christmas show back in December 2017. Brian, Brian was like, you know, dress up a little bit for the Christmas show. Tommy Mack has a New York Jets blazer on. I, I wish I had a picture of it, but oh, my God. It's like he was set up to interview to be the CEO of Morgan Stanley or something. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, Brian and Tommy interviewed Jody Mack that one time. I remember I was a little upset I couldn't be there on that show. Tommy, you guys spoke with Jody oh, Mack. There, there's the notebook. There is the notebook. <laughs> um, Brian used to pay for our dinners too, Griffin, and it's something he didn't have to do, you know. And no, he definitely didn't have to, but he, that was just him. That was just his character in a nutshell. I mean, you know, how, how late were we staying at WCWP some of those nights? Well, or we get I, out at like 1 a.m.? I made us stay late. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still, he I, did it. He didn't have to. None of us were getting paid. It was all volunteer. Right. And the fact that he stayed out late with us, even though he lived two hours away, I think really just was yeah. incredible. We do have a couple comments here. One from Brian. Rest in peace. Sports Box thoughts are with you guys. The Sports Box is a great group of guys, podcasting network. Make sure to go check them out. If you haven't already, they put on a lot of great shows. Review and preview sports. We're very close friends with them. And Marcy breaks my heart. Marcy, my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family and friends throughout this time. Um, you know, we're, we're so deeply sorry for your loss. Um, 
really do appreciate Brian and everything that he's provided in my life and everyone else's life. And Brian was the best guy. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. He really was the best guy. And, you know, without, without further ado, we're going to have a moment of silence for Brian um, at this time, everybody. Um, so really do appreciate everybody's support thus far. But stay tuned because we have much more coming after this. the we told the bell 10 times in honor of brian's passing and at this time we're going to share two videos um some individuals shared some words on our dear friend brian marbach so we're going to play the first two videos for you and then we're going to bring up um well we're going to talk about the new york giants and then bring up our next guest my favorite moment of brian wow well i'd have to say that it was probably any, any show after a Giants and a Knicks loss. And when he was on, well, there was a lot of losing back then. And we would take our we would take turns going back and forth, voicing our displeasure. And you could tell how passionate Brian was to voice his displeasure and to do the show. And that's some of the many things that we're going to miss about Brian. Johnny, I mean, you had some very powerful words right there. And, I mean... Just, I mean, you, you were, you, you were an outstanding mentor to Brian himself. You got his feet wet and what you instilled in him is the reason why all of us are here right now. So I couldn't thank you enough, not just for being here tonight, but showing everybody the ropes, including Brian. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Kyle made a very good point. You know, when Kyle was talking about, you know, him interning and coming in on the show, that's what Brian did too. When he first started, he, I remember Dan telling, Dan telling me about, you know, somebody wants to be a part of the show and be a part of the station. And so Brian would sit in and he would watch, you know, me run the board and do the sh and watch us do the show. And I, I feel like that's a good lesson just for anybody in general starting in this industry is, you know, if you if you can go sit in on the show because, you know, there's a lot to it and you'll learn a lot of stuff. And Brian did that and he took off with it. I mean, he was a, he was like you said, everybody's said it a great person on the air great person off the air i mean he, he he did a lot i mean he even expanded more after i i uh left to go to south carolina and i remember when i told him the news that i was moving i it shocked him but you know he he took it and, and ran and like i said there in, the, in that video some of my 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 favorite moments with brian were after you know he's a giant he was a a diehard Giants and a diehard Knicks fan. And we would go on together and, you know, rant and rave. And you could just tell how much, as painful as the losses were, how much he loved talking about it. And man, I'm still just, I'm, I'm struggling. I mean, it's been almost two weeks now and it's just still like so difficult. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, it's totally understandable. I still, you know, it's tough to sleep at night and, you know, just want to let everybody know that you're not alone. We are all in this together. And James, I know, I'm sorry I skipped you before, but I do want to get your thoughts on 
Brian as well. I know you never got to personally meet Brian, but you joined Review and Preview shortly after Brian left, and you have a good understanding of the history of our show and our network. And, you know, um, just if you can share a couple thoughts on from what you've heard from Brian from us. Yeah, no. Um, first off, uh, my condolences to everybody that knew him from what you guys all said. I knew also how close Tom was to Brian. Um, I joined the show. Um, Tommy Mack was still on it. And then Tom, uh, Tommy Mack uh, kind of ended. And then it was me and Tom and then Kyle. Um, but from just hearing what you guys had said, Tom, when you called me um, two weeks ago, Saturday morning, I was like, oh, Tom's calling me. Like, what's up? And then when you gave me the news, I knew how much he meant to you. I knew how much of a mentor he was to yourself, um, right. along with Kyle as well. Um, so to hear that, you know, news kind of like, especially in the morning, it was kind of like, wow, like I didn't know him, but if I probably did, he would have been a close friend of mine and also like a great person to look up to, like all of you guys below me and next to me did. Um, so I didn't know him personally, but from the stories Tom told me and stuff, he meant a lot to everybody. Um, he gave you guys a lot of advice, career advice, life advice, you know, um, so it's, it's great to see that we're all coming together, uh, to celebrate his life in a way, um, by doing the show, being on the show with everybody and how he also continued review and preview, you know, without him passing the reins on to Tom, none of us would be here right now. Um, so it's great to see Tom continuing that and also, um, you know, just being here with you guys to, to have this moment with you, you know. I know him as well as you guys did know him at all, but to see everybody's reactions, you know, um, he seemed like a great guy and you guys all looked up to him in any way possible. So, I mean, we're all connected through Brian Griffin lives in Massachusetts. Johnny, you live in Mm -hmm. South South Carolina. It's crazy how Brian brings all these people together. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, We do have a couple more comments. Noah Dibler says, rest in peace to Brian. I didn't get to know him, but I know he had a great impact on Tom and so many other great people on Review and Preview. You guys are doing great work. Keep working hard to preserve his memory. Thank you very much, Noah. Really do appreciate that. Um, and then John Rankin, to everyone in here who knew him, my condolences and love go out to you all. Um, folks, we were all great friends of Brian, and I know Brian would want the show to go on. He'd want us to talk about sports tonight, and that's exactly what we're going to do, but of course, everybody has to get their say in because there's so many people that love Brian. That's why we spent this much time on him already. But before we talk about the Giants and bring up our next guest, a good friend of mine, Alex Demiris, had these words to say about Brian Marbach. Hello, everyone. My name is Alex Demiris. I graduated from LAU Post in 2017, and I'm here to spend a moment to talk about a good friend, Brian Marbach. Brian and I worked together on LIU football broadcasts. We would always help each other write scripts. I'll always remember how good Brian was at running through halftime highlights. Each word flowed so great into the next and the audio was played at the most perfect time. I also wanna say that I'm regretful that I wasn't able to spend more time with Brian. We always spoke about um, wanting to play 18 holes of golf together. At the time, it seemed like we had all the time in the world to do so. Obviously, we don't. Um, Life is short. 
Rest in peace to my good friend. That was Alex Demiris, uh, WCWP alumnus who Kyle Griffin, um, Johnny, you may remember him too, and myself all worked with Alex called the football games his senior year. And another good friend of Alex's, Greg Vavernick, who we're going to bring up now. Greg, how are you, my friend? Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Hey, guys. Good evening. Uh, obviously, we wish this show was for a little bit of a better uh, occasion. But, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. Great to see all of you, as always. What's up, Greg? Hey, Greg. Come on, guys. Miss you, buddy. Thanks, man. Don't worry, Griffin. I took a screenshot, by the way, of you wearing a Giants hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who would have thought, right? I know. The diehard Patriot fan working for the New York Giants. That is I know. It was crazy. Of irony. <laughs> Speaking of the Giants, we're going to dive into them now. But I have a Giants fan parking only sign behind there. And Brian's mask card is leaning on it. So Brian is with us here tonight. As always, as I do apologize, Tommy Mack is having some technical difficulties. He's going to keep coming in and out until we get that issue resolved. But um, we have a lot of Giants fans here, but I'm actually I want to start with the Patriots fan in Griffin. That <laughs> seven to 21 and all. just talk about the environment. You were there in the Superdome first Saints home game in nearly two years. What was that atmosphere like? What was the stadium like as well when Barkley scored that game-winning touchdown? Yeah, well, I can tell you, first off, it was real quiet after he scored that touchdown in overtime. I can tell you that. Um, but, you know, it was it was actually really cool. Um, it was The atmosphere was great. Um, it was a little subdued due to the hurricane. There's still a lot of lingering damage um, from that. Um, you'll see we were, like, when we flew in, uses um, a, a, a sea of tarps. Like the entire skyline was pretty much just blue tarps on roofs and stuff. So um, it was just crazy to, to how much impact that team has on that city. You know, like even in the hotel, we um, we were walking out and the, the employees were like, oh, it's going to be loud in there. It's going to be loud in there. You know, I mean, everyone's a Sage fan. And um, it was kind of cool to see that city kind of rallied around and it was loud when the first kickoff started, it got really loud and you couldn't even hear yourself think, but yeah, it was an awesome opportunity to be there. And um, yeah, definitely electric. Chandra says, go saints. Thank you very much for the comment. And yes, Brian was lucky to have such great friends, but we were even luckier to have Brian as a friend. So thank you so much for that comment. Um, Giants win a football game though. And Griffin, I couldn't agree with you more and fun my sister is from New Orleans. So that adds a little bit of flavor to this Giants win. Um, Johnny, Kyle, and James as the Giant fans here. Daniel Jones arguably had the best game of his career, throwing for over 400 yards for the first time as a Giant. And Barkley with the game-winning touchdown. This was the first time the Giants have beaten the Saints in the Superdome since 1993. That's how iconic this win was for this football team. And I mean, is Barkley coming back to life? Because the Giants looked pretty good offensively on Sunday. Johnny, I'll start with you. Yeah, uh, definitely a, a, a lot to be um, excited about after Sunday. After the first three weeks 
Uh, Barkley scoring twice. Yeah, definitely looked great. Uh, but I'll tell you, you know what I, I take from that game was the offensive line giving Daniel Jones time. And when he has time to throw the ball, you know, you can see how great of a quarterback he can be. And I think that really helped. You saw Kadarius Tony get involved. So there were actually were a lot of positives. And let's be honest, they needed this in the worst way because after the last two weeks and really after the start of the season, which could just make you sick. I mean, I'll be honest with you, after that third game against the Falcons, I think that was another reason why I got as sick as I did. But, um, no, that's definitely between uh, Jones and Barkley and uh, Tony and the offensive line. And, and let's be honest, let's give the defense a little bit of credit too because, you know what, I mean, this was a situation where you could almost could have seen the Saints go off for 40 points in a spot where the Giants were also down a couple of offensive guys. I didn't think the Giants were going to win this game, even if if um, – if they even uh, if the Saints, if Winston, I'm sorry, if James Winston had three interceptions, I didn't even think the Giants were going to win this game. So definitely uh, a nice win, and hopefully now this is the start of something because their schedule going forward, I mean, it is it is very very difficult. But you know, if Jones has time, if Barkley can get going up the middle, then maybe this could be the start of something special. Kyle Russo. I'm not even going to ask the question. I'm just going to post the banner, and I would like you to answer this question. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll pose it to you this way: two two and a half years in now, right? We're now asking this question after one victory. That's how sad of a, a question it is that we even have to ask ourselves this: Is Daniel Jones the franchise quarterback after one game? No. No, we, we have to see more. The biggest thing with him is consistency. I read an article today say, saying, uh, see what happens when the offensive play callers have faith and trust in Daniel Jones. Well, why don't they have faith and trust in him? Because of the first 20-plus, 30-plus games of his career. You have to earn that trust back, and, and not only your team, but your fans as well. When you play as poor as you did to the point where people have said going into this season, if he doesn't play well or at least respectable, that the Giants will be drafting a quarterback last year, nobody put him in that place except for himself. When you really think about it, Johnny, you talked about the offensive line, which is true, but everybody was blaming going into this week especially, it's Jason Garrett's play calling. After last offseason, as bad as the Giants' offense was, there were teams looking at Jason Garrett to be their next head coach. And I was saying that, hey, maybe it's the quarterback he's got to work with. And we saw in this week against the Saints how, again, the offense looked great. It was Daniel Jones we talked about could have been the best game of his career. I think it was the best game of his career. It was a game in which uh, I don't really want to count that interception, Hail Mary. That wasn't an yeah. – it is what it is. But this was basically a turnover-free, uh, no dumb decisions, no tunnel vision quarterback play, hitting your receivers – type of football game and you won it on the road in probably one of the toughest stadiums to play in on the road. Griffin, you're talking about how loud it was. The Saints yep. have one of the fan best fan bases in football. But to well, say that is to... Daniel Jones the quarterback after one game? No. You got to see consistency. This was a great stepping stone. But let's see this the next five plus weeks. Let's see this throughout the rest of the season. Then that's a question we can answer. Well, I don't think anyone's denying that it's definitely a perfect year for, for Daniel Jones, the quarterback. But what I've noticed in the past couple of games is they've been trusting him a lot more in the sense of they're letting him air it out more. And I think that's been beneficial because you see he, on the long balls, he's a great long ball thrower. I mean, you see those passes for 
over 10 yards. He can sling it. I mean, when Washington, we saw in Washington, he ran for a touchdown and got called back on a on a flag. But still, I mean, he was airing it out. And when they when it seems like he can just do himself, he can get out of the pocket, he can run. He's one of the leading rushers on the Giants right now. Yep. And I feel like that's, that's kind of understated in this whole thing. And um, to go back on some of the key players in the game, Demarius Toomey was a beast in that game. There's no denying that. He definitely changed the game, and he's going to be a good player for the Giants going forward. And you also saw the um, kind of emergence of Kenny Golden finally being productive down at the receiver spot. He made a couple of big catches as well. Yeah, Galladay has been great. Uh, the impact of him and Kadarius Tony that kind of segues into our our next point. Obviously, the Giants trailed late, twenty one to ten, with seven minutes left in the game. Daniel Jones anchors an outstanding comeback, but you know he got Galladay, Tony, and John Ross involved. And now we're talking about wide receiver depth when you know these guys come back, when Sterling Shepard comes back, when Darius Slayton comes back. If Darius Slayton is any higher than wide receiver five. I'm going to be very unhappy. The guy drops the ball a lot. I mean, he's he's a very streaky route runner. As where Kadarius Tony, you saw what happens when he gets the ball. He makes people miss. Kenny Galladay, look how dynamic he can be. Sterling Shepard is Sterling Shepard. We know what we're going to get from him. And John Ross, you want to talk about taking the top off the defense? Speed is the one word they use in his scouting report. And that's part of the reason why Jones is now seventh in the NFL with nearly 1,200 passing yards. So what do we think the Giants' wide receiver depth chart should look like when everybody is healthy? Because right now we know who the number one is, but and Sterling Shepard's probably number two. But after him, it's pretty much anybody's game at this point, especially after Tony's breakout performance on Sunday. I think, Tom, to answer your question, I think that we have, like you said, in, in that order, you have one and two, Galladay and Shepard. But after that, I think really, and again, it might sound crazy, Tony's got to be your three. What Tony proved to you on Sunday is that he can essentially be almost a Tyreek Hill-esque type of player where he has absolutely incredible speed, great hands, he doesn't drop the ball. And his footwork is some of the craziest footwork that I think I've ever seen on a football field, yeah. making defenders miss left and right all over the place, making each defender on the Saints defense look, frankly, dumb. The, the way they were flying all over the place trying to tackle this guy to just get an extra yard on a play, the effort in which he put in. And granted, again, this is your first-round pick investment. I, I know that, Tom, we've talked about in the past, you know, the – uh, the length of Shepard and his tenure maybe remaining with the Giants, and maybe he won't be a guy remaining a, long, uh, a lot longer with the New York Giants potentially because of contract issues. John Ross on a one-year flyer and Darius Slayton, while when he's on the field, he's great. That's been also a key contribution to him kind of falling in the wide receiver depth chart. So to answer your question, at least from my state, I think that Tony goes at three. I think that's got to be your guy moving forward because – in reality, that's going to be essentially, if Jones is the guy especially, that's going to be the receiver that Jones grows with. Over well, the he's also three. reliable too. Yeah, and he's reliable as well. Yeah. I mean, you saw, you saw a couple times when uh, Galladay would go down the field. He wasn't that open. Tooney's a great guy just to, that Daniel Jones can just dip and dunk it to. You know I mean? He's always like in the flat or either outside. And he's a great, he's a great third option for Dan, Daniel Jones. Yeah, he, he really is. Uh, Johnny and James, 
what do you guys think about wide receiver depth chart? Because right now, Tony was brought in to be a slot receiver, and he's starting to prove that he can fill in that void. Johnny, you can go first. Okay. Um, I, I agree with Kyle. I think he's the number three guy, and I think this is a great problem to have. And, you know, this is why I thought the Giants could be a, a winning team, like a nine or a ten win team this year. So this is a good a good problem to have. And Ross, you know, if Ross is like your fourth or fifth, straight, uh, fifth receiver, that's a good problem to have. But I think Tony is your number three right now. And like you said, Slayton's been inconsistent. And Ross, while it was only one – one touchdown there. I mean, he even shows you something. So I would go Tony three and then Slayton and Ross four and five. But heck, this is a great problem to have and a great thing for the Giants because you have all these five guys together, and you put this guy, this team all together. This is why we were ta- why I spoke a couple of weeks ago on the show why I thought they could be a nine nine to ten win team. So it gets you excited, that's for sure. It's getting me excited off off one win. I don't want to overreact, but this is why I thought they could be what they could be. Right. It kind of poses the question, should we even use Evan Ingram anymore, right? Because I want the Giants to trade him. I don't want Evan Ingram on this football team, James. It almost, <laughs> just one second time, I, I almost feel it's crazy. I almost, I almost feel like in some ways though, they missed him in a couple, for a couple of weeks there, though. Even though they had the Evan Ingram uh, curse on the team with a couple of drops, in some ways they almost there's something about him being on the team, though, that I think helps. Yeah. James? What are your thoughts on the receiving core right now? I know you're a big Sterling Shepard fan, but Darius Tony, he's part of this future. Listen, he is. I'm a big Sterling Shepard guy. He's on my fantasy team. He's kind of hurting me right now being on the sidelines. But um, to ha- to see this re- wide receiver core, there's been. I feel like we've been waited. We've been waiting so long to have a core like this. Between we had we had Odell and Shepard, we had Cruz and. Um, Cruz, Odell, and Marshall. Remember that year? And then you had that that the list goes on and on. We could list on. But recently we really haven't had a decent wide receiver core. It's nice to have that trouble of a wide receiver, trouble meaning a good way, not a bad way, that there's five different guys Daniel Jones can target. That's five different guys. Um Jason Garrett can put in the playbook. There's five different guys that if one gets hurt, the next man up. Somebody else, Daniel Jones, can, Daniel Jones can rely on. I think it's a good thing. And also, I look at it this way: if there is come later in the season where we stand or whatnot, if we need to trade players away for draft picks or whatnot, we could we could touch that receiver a little bit, you know, see if we want to trade him or not. Um, I think it's yeah. a good thing. I'm looking forward to what Jason Garrett puts into play when everybody's healthy with Slayton, Shepard, and so on. Um, Tom, I do think Evan Ingram needs to go. But I know that's a conversation for another time. Well, Sam agrees. And we do have a few comments. Sam says, you guys are doing a great job honoring Brian's legacy. And as always, go Big Blue. Thank you very much, Sam, who is a part of our Giant show on Thursday nights. You can catch that with Hank, Sam, and myself. And Hank says, as great as Barkley was, he owes Kyle Rudolph a trip to Peter Luger's for covering his fumble. Yeah. Well, that's been a big thing with Barkley. I feel like I get the sense that he tries to do too much at times. You know, like he'll get he'll do these like elaborate kind of stutter steps and jukes and stuff. He ends up losing more yards than he gains on them sometimes. Yeah. So I'll just add one more comment before I leave. I mean, just look to 
look for the Giants to start airing it out more. I feel like with Barkley, they can run it a little bit, but their they're running hasn't been as effective as their pass offense, I've noticed. It really hasn't. Jones has been our leading rusher right. for a while, and I think it kind of you know speaks volumes to our offensive line. They've improved a lot in pass protection. As Alec Walt brings up a comment, I noticed way less people chirp at me over Andrew Thomas. I hyped him up last year, and he's playing a lot better. He's playing like the best tackle out of last year's draft right now. Um, his PFF grade is soaring. I know Makai Becton's been out, but you look at Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs, who are available. Andrew Thomas has been the best one in – he, it's crazy. He's the only consistent lineman that we have. We lost Nick Gates to a season-ending injury. So Andrew Thomas has been outstanding this year. I mean, I think it also has to do with the coaching. You need to give Rob Sale a lot of credit. Much better a line coach than uh, Mark Colombo. Greg, I know you know about the Giants' offensive line problems for a while now. Um, but um, Andrew Thomas is a Georgia Bulldog that I happen to really like. I think he's going to be a cornerstone piece of this franchise, and what do you guys think about Andrew Thomas? Greg, you can take the floor here if you want. That would help if I unmuted my microphone. That'd be a good start. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get in the way of any uh, major giant conversation between the true giant fans. Obviously, this is a true third-party perspective coming from a Jet fan. But, Tom, piggybacking off your point, I think what you've been saying about Andrew Thomas is – True. That's you know, he's really been showing major, major improvement from that rookie year to year two jump. Um, and I saw the tweet exactly referring to what you're saying with his PFF grades. I mean, personally to me, PFF grades are always a little suspect because you see the most random people that are really high up on that list. So the credibility for me there is a little suspect at times, but I think overall there is a clear improvement. Because I'm a huge fan of NFL Red Zone, so I did catch a pretty, pretty fair amount of the Giants and Saints. And I think really when you you can see what Daniel Jones could be when this O-line actually does their job yeah. and does their job well. And you can see, like especially with Andrew Thomas blocking the blind side, you can see Daniel Jones have these days where he throws for 400 yards and two touchdowns, which is what you want to see in a potential franchise quarterback. And... I'm also going to echo what Kyle said. I think at the same time, you really can't put too much stock just in one game because, again, especially in a longer season, the longest regular season we've had in the long ever, actually. And, you know, we're only in week four, going now to week five. There's still a lot of football left to play. And I think at the end of the day, it's a major improvement overall for the team. It's what you kind of expect to see a lot of the year because I personally thought the Giants would be right up there with Dallas to be contenders for the NFC East. I still think that could be the case, but I think really the the real test for the Giants is going to be this, what I call the gauntlet with what they have right now with their upcoming schedule because it really this is going to really determine if they can truly compete with the best in the NFC. This is going to determine their season these next three, four weeks. That's going to be it. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I had said before, I, I, they had to go two and one in the first three weeks. And they should have won the Washington game. And they should have probably won either Denver or Atlanta. And then you would have been looking at two and one. And if they 
don't even I don't even know they would have beaten New Orleans, but it let's now that we know they did, but two and one, maybe three and one going into this gauntlet where they could have a little bit of leeway, but now they don't really have much leeway. And let's be honest, we want to talk about the Giants being contender. They got to go out there and win Sunday against the Cowboys. And that's not going to be an easy feat because I think you're going to have to win in a shootout. And we don't know. I mean, we saw them in the 30s against Washington. But, you know, can the Giants be in a shootout? That's where you're talking about Daniel Jones being a franchise quarterback. He's going to have to go off for another 400-yard game because you're going to have to be in a shootout against Dallas and against Prescott, who's been the be- probably one of, if not the best players in the league so far this season. Yeah, I'm going to move this along just a little bit because we are uh, running through some time here. So mm-hmm. I think to me that the defense looks improved, but the pass rush has been non-existent and losing Blake Martinez has definitely not helped our case. Him being out for the season is just brutal. That's really a crushing blow to this defense. Um, once Jabril Peppers got very hyped during the coin toss, I had a feeling <laughs> the Giants would win this football game and it's crazy. The Saints won in time of possession. They won in third down efficiency, but yet they still lost, which is crazy. And now we're talking about going into the Dallas game. Now we're starting to see how good Dallas could be winning three straight games. They took Tampa Bay to the wire in week one. Dak is obviously back. Zeke has been eating 143 rushing yards against the Panthers, and they're loaded at wide receiver. That's why they are the number four offense in the NFL. And, you know, we're looking at this game and, are the Cowboys the class of the NFC East? Is it too is it too soon to make that judgment? Because right now we're only four games into a season, but Philadelphia hasn't impressed. The Giants can still go either way. They can be really bad or they can be respective. And then Washington, Washington's really confusing right now because again, they have the same issue that they did last year. They don't have a quarterback, right? They have Taylor Heineke, who's been serviceable, but is that going to help them put them over the top over Dallas in that? division see i'm not so sure so now this week five game yeah i mean i do agree with you johnny but this week five game giants cowboys becomes a lot more pivotal because if the giants win this game they're right back in the race for the nfc east yeah this is a this will be a game that it's, it's again we say it it's so early in the season but this is really a make or break team right the Giants could go on beat all other teams in the NFL. Obviously, that'd be a great thing. But you have to start first with beating the teams within your own division. And that's been something for the Giants for a long time now, with really the exception of Washington, that they always struggle to have. I mean, you know, we look at this game against the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. When was the last time that they beat them there, guys? When was the last time that they've gone into Dallas and beat them there? Should it's been, been a last year. It's been a very, very long time. And, Again, coming off a really good high right now of that Saints win in the Mercedes Dome Arena, they're going to be fueled, and they obviously know the importance of this game. Maybe a little bit of an edge, knowing that Jason Garrett has worked closely with Kellen Moore, worked closely with most of the players remaining on Dallas, especially on the offense, may give them a little bit of an edge. But like you guys were talking about, I mean, this is an offense that we know Dallas can explode. We have to explode with them and be able to compete with those huge offensive numbers in order to compete. Very true. Um, I, I think this is going to be a tough game. Trayvon Diggs has five picks through four games. I mean, that's unheard of. So, I mean, right now, if I had to predict this game, I would probably pick Dallas because they're home, and I just think they're the better football team. But then again, when I pick against the Giants, that's usually when they surprise me. So picking the Giants Rich. to win is <laughs> – that's a clause. That, that is a really bad clause for me. That is the cardinal sin, kiss of death when I pick the Giants. But 
Brian actually gave his record prediction for the Giants. Brian predicted the Giants to go seven and ten, and right now he still could be in contention to come out with the correct record. When we had him on our show three weeks ago, and you know, hopefully the Giants come away with this win. But let's make quick predictions of this football game, and um, we'll start with you here, James. Where do you see this game landing? Because I know we're playing against your favorite team in the NFL. Oh yeah, my favorite team, the Dallas uh-huh. Cowboys. <laughs> Um, it's going to be close. Um, Tom, you see my quick picks, what I officially pick sooner or later, but for the show wise, I'm going giants. Um, we'll do 21, 17. They're going to keep it close. It's going to be a nail biter all the way through. Um, Pepper's got that hype during the saints game. I think they're going to roll with it. I think Dak is going to, I think the giants are going to have, with Dallas back on earth. It's, they're flying too high. They're coming back. They're crashing down to the earth on uh, Sunday. Okay. Greg. Sorry, Giant fans. I think that that Dallas offense is just too good. I think that offense is just way too good. Uh, I think it's going to be another high-scoring game for Dallas. I think the Giants will try to keep up. I just don't see it. Going their way, I see 31-20, Dallas. Donnie. Yeah, I, I agree with Greg. I think it's good. I think it is going to be kind of a shootout. I'll tell you, if if it's 21-17, I, I'll take that. I think the Giants would prevail in that kind of game. But I like you said, Dallas is riding too high right now, and I think they will come back in a little bit. And as high as I am right now about the Giants after that win, uh, I just I think Dallas is just too good. And I think it will be something along the lines of like 31-27, 31-28. I'm just hoping it's not going to be another one of those last-second field goals like we saw the two out of the first four weeks for the Giants this year or like it was down in Dallas last year, the game that uh, Dak got hurt and you know the Giants lost the last-second field goal there with Dalton coming in. But I think the Giants will be competitive. I think you will see some positives. I hate to say that it's going to be a moral victory kind of game, but that's just what the Giants are going to be. I think it's going to be, though, 31-27 Dallas. Kyle? I think it's just going to be too tough for the Giants. Uh, I mean, the Giants are 20, uh, 20 in the past, 20 in run defense, and having Zeke and going up against Dak, I think it's just going to be too much for them, especially coming off a game in which they versed Carolina, who was like the number two ranked defense going to that game, and they dropped 38 on them. So going up against them, I, I can see a 35-20 type of game in Dallas's favor. Wow. 35 points given up by this defense. I'm going Dallas as well. Unfortunately, Dallas is the better football team right now. But um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants pulled this out by a field goal or by one possession. I do do think there's potential there for the Giants to win this game. But I am going to go with Dallas. I don't think Dallas is scoring 30 points, though. I'm going to go Dallas 27-24. So the Giants lose by three. I think they're going to be very competitive in this football game. And, that's the way we end this segment. But at this time, we're going to roll through just a few comments before we bring up Tommy Mack back and our next guest. Hank says, also, great tributes to Brian. Wish I had the chance to meet him. Review and preview was very lucky to have him. Griffin says, hey, guys, sorry I had to duck out for a phone call. Thanks for having me on. Wishing you guys the best. Griffin, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, it means the world to me. It means the world to Brian and his family and friends and everybody here that you were able to hop on for a few minutes all the way from Massachusetts. Really do appreciate you. And 
Griffin was very close with Brian. Greg, you and I both know this. Griffin and Brian were were best pals. I think, you, you know, they did everything together. Brian was the host. Griffin was the engineer. Whether it was a Pioneers football game or review and preview, it was always the two of them back there more often than not. So, um, Garth says, what's up, guys? Hope everyone is doing well tonight. Garth, really appreciate it. Um, Garth Michael Patrick from the Sports Box, big Florida Gators fan, and a big L.A. Chargers fan. So, before we transition into the Jets, we have another message from a good friend of Brian Marbox. One of my favorite memories of Brian has to be, you know, one of the first little lessons that he's taught me when I'm at my time at Review and Preview. I remember during the show, we were talking about Cy Young, potential Cy Young winners, because it was like September, and we were all gave our opinions, blah, blah, blah. And I would say like a good portion of us agreed on like who the Cy Young winner should be. But Brian goes, I think it's Luis Severino. And we, we were all like, I was like, Luis Severino? You got to be kidding me. We going back and forth about it. And then we hit a commercial. And I looked at Brian. I was like, Brian, you, I, I was like, I get you're a Yankees fan, but you really think Luis Severino's going to win the Cy Young? He's like, no, absolutely not. I was like, so why, I was like, why'd, you, why'd you say that then? He simply said, because, you know, if everyone agrees to say the same thing on the show, it kind of is boring because it's like, yeah, I agree. There's nothing to talk about afterwards, you know, and that really clicked in my mind. I was like, oh, wow. Like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, even if you agree with it or not, like, you know enough about the guy to make an argument for him and you can say all this stuff about it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Then I've carried that, you know, through the podcast I currently do to the internships I was at, in interviews I've done in the or shows I've done in after that point, it was that moment where it was like my first lesson I learned from Brian. And uh, to this day, you know, was it four, four years later at this point that I still remember. And I still use that, that tactic to this day. Welcome, Chris. What's going on, guys? Long time no yeah. see. What's up, man? Great hey, work. Chris, Glad Excellent be words. It's been, it's, it's been a while. It really has been a while doing this. It has. Welcome back, Tommy. Well, hopefully we got can Tommy stay. Mack back on the line. <laughs> yeah, let, let's hope. I know you've been in and out. James is going to back out for a few moments, but um, we're here to talk about the Jets. But first, Chris, why don't you plug in your, your podcast over at A1 Sports? Tell us a little bit about that. And then if you could share us your favorite memory of Brian Marbach. Uh, yeah, A1 Sports Network, something I created, you know, during the pandemic. You know, it was just, just something I wanted to do, and I do – I do two podcasts. I do Moffat on the Mic with my friend Craig, who I met at a different internship that I, I, I've done. And we've been doing that for almost a year now, plus here at A1. But we've been doing it together for about three years now at this point. And me and Craig, we do a great show. You can find us on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Moffat on the Mic. And I do my own little podcast by myself called Clem's Corner, also here at the A1 Sports Network. So, you, again, you can find that. Anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Bleaker, or, or any any place you, you you can download a podcast, you can find it. Hashtag it. <laughs> yeah, she, she plugs. She plugs here. <laughs> but, you know, like my favorite, you know, memory of Brian would be like just those late nights we would be doing in, in the studio at WCWP where we'd be, we would order food, like pizza all night and just go just – go back and forth about just some of the just the dumbest stuff as we prepare for that week of you know going like getting ready for the football games that greg you and tom would call together and like in the, like it was it would just be some good times like that and like i really when tom when you told me you texted all of us that you know brian passed away it really 
hit home because, you know, Greg, you and Tom were the first guys who brought me into the radio station. But Brian was the guy who, like, taught not just me, but all of us. You know, he was the he was the flagship, like, he was the guy who taught us how to do sports radio, you know, what to do behind the scenes and whatnot. And, you know, Tom, I really commend you for, you know, carrying along the legacy this many years after, you know, we've been after we've been at LIU. And, and like, it really is an honor to come back and share in this moment with all you guys. Yeah. Greg, do you have anything to piggyback off of that? I mean, Clem kind of said it best. I mean, Brian really was the one that kind of brought us all together because, I mean, Clem and Tom and myself, we've all known each other uh, outside of the radio station. But really working with Brian kind of added like a new level to the relationship we all have with each other, but also the continuity, I guess, we had at the station and really made us all like a well-put-together unit because Brian really gave a lot of us uh, a crash course in uh, – what it is to do and run a sports talk show from all different ends from engineering on the microphone, I should say behind the microphone and then just the pre-planning and post-production and all that stuff. So Brian really was a integral piece to a lot of the stuff that we did, not just for review and preview, but also for our WCWP football broadcast. He was always there every single week. One of the first ones there always doing whatever he had to do. And, you know, it, it's, you really, it's, it's crazy. Like when you, if, when it's like, when you're in the moment, you don't realize how much an impact one person has on a whole group effort. But then when it's like, now it's after it's already been, my God, like around four or five years, almost since four, four years, yeah, four yeah. years since Tom and I stopped calling a uh, football for LIU. And now you look back this much time later and it's like, wow, you can really notice the difference that one just one person had for a whole department. So it's, you know, it's his influence was definitely felt all throughout the department and couldn't have said it better also from Clem. Yeah. But Guys, on a lighter when, note, when, sorry, Tom, go ahead. When I started, um, it was just uh, Brian and I just quickly, you know, just on the first day, he asked me to step in because somebody didn't show up and I was nervous as hell. But Anyway, I thought the best days when it was uh, Brian, myself, Tom, and Greg, and Griffin on the board, I thought those were our best shows. I, I, I mean, I love those days. And I, I mean, I liked it before and after, but I thought those shows in particular were our best as review and preview at LIU. I still wish I was able to get clips from those shows. I wish I was able to find those. I still have audio of a bunch from 2016, 2017. Um, I actually played our old intro tonight where it sounds like, I don't know, I know Chris is a WWE fan. It sounds like Orlando Jordan's theme music, like OG. Oh, yeah. I like, oh, I like kind of man. remember that. Yeah. Tom, you played that intro and it, and it brought me back because I used that intro um, on, on my, uh, on my, when I was there. Yeah. And we're, we're talking, what, about, wow, six, seven years ago because I, it's been almost seven years since I've been down here in South Carolina. So that uh, that brought back some good memories. I'm going to throw back Tuesday instead. <laughs> yes. But, um, yeah, the show has switched days throughout the course of these 10 years, but it's continued to stay strong. And um, at this time, wow, we have all the Jets fans at the bottom of the screen. How appropriate is that? Um, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> all right. I'm joking. Let's talk about your New York Jets. <laughs> Tommy, you got, you got the pen? 
Get the pen ready. So the Jets. <laughs> oh, I have. Oh, Not have only ready. do the Giants win in overtime, but the Jets win in overtime as well over the Tennessee Titans. And this week in New York sports was just outstanding because both New York football teams beat quality opponents, teams that both made the playoffs last year. I mean, how impressive was this win for the New York Jets? I thought it was a great win. I mean, they went down, oh, it was a 9 nothing to start, and they, they made their way back. Uh, Zach Wilson showed me something this week, finally. The one pick that he had wasn't his fault. It was Corey Davis slipped on an in route. Um, I really thought uh, that he's finally had a game where he can go home and feel good about it instead of feeling depressed. Uh, the defense – doesn't look like it on paper besides the sacks, but they played well. And uh, I, I think that's a game that they, that they can build on. Um, you know, one one stat that I heard today, which I didn't believe until I actually looked it up, was the Jets' corners have not let up a passing touchdown yet in the whole league. Um, they're the only team left that hasn't done it yet. And that's surprising based on their personnel that we thought was going to be the weakest link on their team. Um, but they do need to defend the run better. Uh, I mean, Derrick Henry is a beast for any team to handle, but they do need to just – because Damian Harris in that game when he ran right through us for that touchdown, I mean, they need to stop the run better. Uh, but I, I thought it was a great win, and I really think they can uh, capitalize it next week uh, in London against Atlanta. Chris? I, I yeah I I agree with Tom, with Tom like this was such a good win and I I was texting my friends about the game I was like win or lose for the Jets this week it was a good game because you saw like progression from guys like Zach Wilson you saw Corey Davis you know really emerge himself as a number one wide receiver Quinn and Williams and Quincy Williams both having great games C J Mosley being the being the field general that he is, finally, you know, coming out. It was all all the right pieces were flowing in that game. And, like, and yeah, we, it was great that we won the game. But even if we lost, I would have been happy either way because Zach Wilson looked so comfortable in that game. The, cor- the corners looked fantastic. And even, you know, like Tom said, you know, the our secondary was going to be what we, what we thought was going to be our weak point this se- coming into the season. But it's actually been one of the brighter spots of this whole team because Bryce Hall is looking like, a steal at the in the fifth round in last year's draft. Michael Carter and Brandon Eccles have been solid in the secondary, and it just overall just was good play yesterday. I could, I, I was, I'm like, yes, step forward. This is what we need now. You know, being a Jets fan, it'll all probably turn to crap the, the, the next week because you know we're the Jets. So, but I mean, f- fingers crossed, it's not. But we've seen it more times than not happen. But you know, this was a great win. It was an, a great first win for. Sala and Wilson, the, the the dynamic duo. Yeah, it was a great win. I mean, how does this help their confidence? Young quarterback, new head coach. I mean, I know Wilson; he's thrown eight picks through four games, but I don't, I don't. That's just a young growing pains on a young team, right? I mean, I haven't sat there and broken down the film of every Jets game, but I'm sure Wilson's turnover numbers will improve over time. Greg, I mean, he's also without his starting left tackle, which. You know, that's a huge blow to this Jets team. Yeah. Well, if we're going to talk Jets, I might as well put my Jet hat on. 
serious. Quick outfit change. Very traditional. Tommy has the Jet jerseys. Clint got the jersey. Now I gotta have my, I gotta have my merchandise on. Show my fandom. But um, yeah, I think you know losing Becton definitely is a huge loss because you never want to have your go-to guy to protect the blind side. I mean, that's, I mean, the offense, everything for your whole offense runs through the offensive line. So, I mean, the fact that the Jets got Morgan Moses looks even more like a better pickup than it could have ever been, especially losing Beckton where you're now able to just put Moses at where I thought he should have been from the beginning of the year at right tackle. I thought he should have been our starter. But now that you have George Fant to play left tackle to replace Beckton, so far it's been – I mean, no one's like Makai Becton, which is a little concerning that he's already having injury issues in his second year in the league. Because, you know, I mean, that, I mean, it's a big dude. It's a big dude. So, it's you know, that's going to be a little concerning. But, I mean, really, aside from the team, I mean, the kid looked good. The kid looked good. It's really no other way to put it. He had his flashes. Like, you could see, like, you know, he had a couple throws. Like that deep pass to Keelan Cole where it's, you know, it was reminiscent of the BYU Pro Day. It was you see, like he can every now and then he's a his ability to scramble out of the pocket and turn nothing into something, and you know getting big chunk plays and making stuff happen. And the Jets' offense was looked a lot better than it did for the first three weeks of the year, since the Jets couldn't even manage to get seven points. It felt like for the first three weeks. And the defense showed up too. You, you sacked Tannehill seven times, guys. The defense yeah. looked great. I mean, I it's, to be completely honest with you, I had no idea that we had Quinn Williams' brother on the team before Sunday. So it's yeah, and you know two well. of them having a great day. What's What's his name? I was just Quincy Williams. Quincy. Oh, that's yeah, right. Quincy. Q squared. Q squared. Q squared. That's exactly right. But um, you know, know they look good. I, I was doing my podcast yesterday and. The guy I do it with Craig, he was like, Clem, think about it. We're do we did yesterday's game without Carl Lawson. I was like, I totally forgot about Carl Carl Lawson. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, can you imagine what he could have been doing this whole season for us? Because you see that, you know, the pass rush has really been a strong point for the Jets this season. You know, Quinn and Williams has three sacks. John Franklin Myers has three sacks. Quincy Williams has been in the backfield numerous times. This pass rush has been looking pretty solid and i think that goes to you know how good of a coach robert Sala is because you saw it when he was with the 49ers that was a strong front that was a strong front seven you're seeing it relatively good now but just with a, just a lot of young players we have to take into consideration fellas we have to take into consideration and i'm not a win's a win and i'm going to take it all day every day but there was no uh julio jones and no brown um, no, no real big threat on the outside to take the pressure. I mean, the Jets could focus on Henry. And so, trust me, I'll take the win. But if those guys were there, hopefully it would have been the same story. But, you know, you never know. Win's sure. a win, Tommy. We take those. Win's we a win. Oh, yeah, you. win's a win. Be oh, yeah, up I'm on the bad teams. I'm not, I'm not giving it back, Greg. Not giving it back. No way. No, definitely can't give it back. I mean, you're right. It's. Personally, I think I mean it, you have to be a fool to think that you know you'll be seeing the same exact result that you know the Titans have their top two receivers. I mean, those are two game-changing receivers. To not have the two of them, it completely made the Titans one-dimensional. And even making the Titans one-dimensional, 
the Jets really still didn't do the best job of stopping Derrick Henry. He still had a monster day, by, you know, by Derrick Henry's standards, and it just they just fed him more. And I mean, there was still some semblance of a passing game, albeit it wasn't great. But it's you know it's you still can never complain about a win. You take any win that you can get, but it's, oh, it's no. you, you really it would I I I think you'd be fooled to think it would have been a different result. Tommy, your brother's got a comment. Uh oh, you play who shows up to the game. You're right about that, Mike. You're right about that. 157 rushing yards. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, what, I mean what, what 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 can you expect from the best running back? Let me rephrase that: the second best running back in football. The guy is a walking bulldozer. Wait, Chris, who's the best? It's, it's not Chris Henry. McCaffrey. It's it's not even close. It's Christian McCaffrey. Like when I, I mean, look, that, that could be a conversation for another day. I'm not going to get into that, but it's Christian McCaffrey. Can't argue with that. Yeah, um, he can't stay healthy. That uh, I think Henry's year. like the best true like north and south running back in the NFL because yeah. we know McCaffrey's the best all around. But when he break when. When Henry breaks the line of scrimmage, nobody wants to tackle him. Nobody yeah. wants to get in front of would him. Would really. you? I mean, well, would you want to get hit by a semi truck? No, hell no. <laughs> hell no. Oh, we're gonna concussion yeah, by running if into McCaffrey him. Breaks the line, if, if McCaffrey breaks the line of scrimmage, all you gotta do is catch him. Um, yeah. You're not gonna. I mean, you're not gonna be as afraid as you would be if it was Henry coming at you. So I guess we'll move on. Um, Jets Falcons. I mean. Look, I still think the Titans are probably front runners in the AFC South right now just because of how bad and porous that division is. So if I'm them, yes, you lost to the Jets, but we don't know who the true Jets are yet this season. We're only four weeks in. So in six weeks from now, if the, if the Jets are good or, or respectable, this loss for Tennessee might not look really bad. Greg, you're giving me a devil eye. I was like, as I say that. you saying the Jets could actually be good? Uh, I mean – you're playing Atlanta this week, which has the worst defense in the National Football League. Yes, we couldn't beat them. We couldn't beat them, but hopefully you guys can. I hope so. I mean, I think the one thing about that Falcons team is I, I'll i say it till I'm in the grave. I really think Matt Ryan is honestly one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL. That's I really don't. I, I just don't see, you know, I just I, – I really don't see the Falcons doing anything in general. But that – I mean, that defense is awful. And it has been awful. It will continue to be awful. I think that really it's just – this is kind of like what you were talking about with the Giants and Cowboys. It could potentially just be another shootout game because as much – as terrible as that Falcon defense is – the Falcons' offense does have the ability to put up a lot of points when it wants to, when it actually gets Calvin Ridley the ball and actually uses its first-round pick in Kyle Pitts. They could put up a lot of points, so it could be another shootout. But, I mean, there's no reason to actually – I think the Jets could walk out of there with a win in London. You know, Greg, it's funny you mentioned Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley because those aren't even, our, those aren't even the two guys I'm worried about. I'm more worried about Cordell Patterson because – these past few True. weeks, he's been looking very good, and the Falcons have been using him as a very good utility running back, wide receiver, whatever he's needed at. He's very versatile, and they've, and they've been using him very good. So he's more of the guy I would be worried about coming into this week. Look, I mean, look, Calvin Ridley's a, a stud. He's a 
top 10 wide receiver in this league. Eh, top 10 stretch. He's a very good wide receiver in this league. I was going to say. But, <laughs> he's a very good wide receiver. But I, but with the way I've seen Bryce Hall play this year, I have I have, I have enough confidence in Bryce Hall to not lock down Calvin Lee, but give him a good battle. And we'll get, and this is going to be a really good test for a guy like Bryce Hall to see if he can actually cover him. And I will say Kyle Pitts might might have his coming out game against us just because of the fact that our safeties are gone, especially with the Marcus May news that happened yesterday that he might be arrested on a DUI. So when we're gonna, we might be down Marcus May. We just lost uh, Nazardine to uh, to an injury. So Kyle Pitts might have his coming out day against the Jets this Sunday in London. Well, my brother Mike posted a uh, a question: Can they make it two in a row? And I think they can. Um, they need to bottle up uh, uh, Ridley, Patterson, and the tight end, and maybe Mosley can, can take care of the tight end, mm-hmm. um, and maybe uh, I don't know. Was is Ashton Davis ever going to make an impact on this team, or is he just going to be oh. uh, you know, <laughs> on the injured the oh. entire year? Yeah. What do you um, guys? So well, he's it's his turn to step up, right? I mean, everyone's hurt. Maze, man up, um, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Man up. Let's let's do it. Jets have been doing it with basically no names anyway in the secondary. If yeah. their defense holds they up, do play for the Jets offense. Will, I think we'll do their job. I think one of the things, just you know, listening to you guys talk about, I think one of the biggest keys to the success in Zach Wilson, which I was actually surprised none of you guys brought it up. Jameson Crowder coming back to this offense. Yeah. This is a guy that was supposedly in the offseason, probably maybe not even going to be on the team, let alone a part of you know Zach Wilson's future. And this guy coming off you know a little bit a little bit of an injury, stand a little bit of a COVID stint, comes back, records seven receptions, sixty-one yards, and a touchdown. Really helps to improve upon this offense. And the Jets themselves really have I don't want to say a great receiving core, but a nice. Receiving core, Corey Davis, Jameson Crowder, uh, Elijah Moore, who I know is hurt right now, but when he's healthy, I think that could be one of the steals of this year's draft as well and groom with Zach Wilson as well for the long-term future, as well as Denzel Mims getting called up and being a part of the offense. I know that he didn't have a reception in this week's game, but they got a nice core of receivers. I think really with this Jets team going against this Atlanta team, I wouldn't be personally that scared of them. I I think a win is not – too out of question for this Jets team because, again, they've shown what they have the capabilities of doing, and we know the Falcons. The Falcons, I mean, we say it about our team sometimes with the Giants and Jets that they just find ways to lose games. Oh, yeah. that, is, that is the epitome of the Atlanta Falcons since the Super Bowl against the Patriots. They they, they are like no other oh. team that I think I've ever seen before in any sport, especially – I don't know if you guys caught them uh, uh, this Sunday against the Washington football team. They just find ways to lose football games. Uh, the way the way that they lose is just insane. Because, Greg, oh, you were talking about Matt Ryan is overrated. I mean, just how much more can you ask the guy to do when they're not getting any support on the defense? No, he's putting no. up 30 points against uh, 30 points against Washington. He's putting up 28 against Tom Brady. The defense has to do something, and there's just nothing there. So sticking back to the Jets, again, I think what we talk about what this Atlanta offense could do, I think the Jets could definitely do some damage on the offensive side of the ball against this Atlanta defense this weekend. No, you're absolutely right, Kyle, because, you know, you saw throughout the game, and Tom, you or no, Greg, I think, mentioned it before, like you saw throughout the game that he was getting more comfortable with the offense, looking like 
he was playing at BYU you know, when he was rolling out and throwing the ball and very comfortable. And even you saw on the on the one bot snap he had, he collected himself, got very confident with himself, and fired a nice ball right to Jamison Crowder. And even on the deep ball to, to Corey Davis with for the touchdown, he was like, go deep. And let's not forget, he, he, Corey Davis was double covered. So the fact that he has that confidence in Corey Davis to go deep and go up and get that ball for him, and he did, he was able to do that. That's what you want to see from Zach Wilson. And you're hoping, you know, as Jets fans, you know, you want to see him progress even more going into this week against, like Kyle, like you said, a very weak Falcons defense. I knew I should have put Corey Davis in my starting lineup this week because you knew going against his old team, like you knew that he was going to do That's a revenge game, Greg. That's fantasy football 101. I screwed screwed up and I put in Deion. I mean, but I mean, to be fair, are you really going to play Corey Davis over DeAndre Swift? But I mean, yes. What? I mean, yes. I, that's all the conversation. That's, again, another whole con- another- <laughs> But either way, it's you know, it's this also proves what it means to have like a real number. Well, in the Jet sense, a true like number one receiver that's a reliable target for yeah. you. And now, when you have, I mean, like Kyle said, having Jamison Crowder back is so huge. He is such a great addition to this team. He is. Probably been one of the best signings the Jets have had in probably the last three to five years. Easy. Yeah. It's, I mean, he's been great for the Jets. And I think, like you guys mentioned, having the amount of weapons for him to work with, it's it's kind of, you know, speeding up the development for him. This is You want to see him move a lot quicker by having all these weapons. The only thing they really need to do is just get the run game going because there is no run game. Because they're trying to fit three or four running backs back there. And it's it's – Every week, it's just really not working. Yeah, I agree, Johnny. And they I also want to get to, to you they, here. They also need. I'm sorry, Tom. Just one thing. They also need to yeah. find an answer at tight end because that's a black hole position right now for the Jets. Is there's there's nothing going on. And the Jets are tight end, Tom. You know this. It's like post after after Banks left. Yeah. We didn't use a tight end. Johnny, I want to get to you, and then all six of us will make our predictions for this Jets game, and then we'll move on. Uh, Johnny? What about uh, Sunday? Yes. Well, I, I'll ask I'll ask my Jet friends down there about this. What do you think uh, about them being over, playing the game overseas, if that has any uh, impact on uh, Sunday? Because I kind of th- – it's – you know, Zach Wilson, man, I'll tell you, first five weeks, I mean, he's had to face a great defense in Denver. He's had to take on the, the Patriots. You know, he had a tough matchup against the Titans, and he did well. And now he's got to go overseas and play in in London. I mean, something he's never obviously he's never had to do before play out of out of the country. Uh, what do you think that is uh, going to do in terms of this game? I, I think as far as the game, I think the Jets can actually win a low scoring game over there because, like you guys said, and we I saw her watching it on Sunday, the Falcons find ways to lose. Man, I'll tell you, I, I think. I think the Jets could win a close one there overseas, but what do you guys think about the game being in London if that has any uh, impact? I don't really think, think it can have that much of an impact. I think because it's 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 both teams have to deal with the whole going overseas. It's but do you think really- though, like for Zach, who's you know never had a, has never done this before? I think you know in the sense of the Jets have a lot of young guys, starting young guys too. Let's not like forget. Yeah. Like these are so I think it will impact the Jets a little bit. So I think these young guys are going to have to look to the veterans, like the C.J. Mosleys, the Morgan Moseses of of this team, and just try and pick their brains and see you know like 
what they could possibly do. I don't know how many games Morgan Moses has played overseas. I don't know how many CJ Mosley has played overseas. But pick their brains in a sense of, you know, what they could potentially do to try and get these, you know, jet lag, you know, big Ben clock. I don't know. All these things out of their mind going into this game. Speaking of I think, this yeah, game. I think they need to get there. I, I, I hope they left today. I hope they left to, to go to London. I hope they left today to get there. And uh, so they can have their possible normal week of practice, get the time, get the jet lag out of their system. And then it's just an away game and it's a away game for the Falcons. And then let the better team win. I, I, I just hope they're not traveling too late in the week where every, everyone's um, body clock is all, all messed up. So let, let them go get over there, yeah. get adjusted and then let the better team win. And I, and I think it's, the Jets are going to win. Folks, keep the comments coming. Really appreciate it. Make sure to share this podcast tonight with your friends as we are honoring the memory of Brian Marbach. Everybody else um, has has been awesome so far that we've had on. We really do appreciate everybody coming on. And uh, Greg and Chris, before we let you guys go tonight, let's all predict this Jets game quick. And and we'll start with you Jets fans. Give us a score prediction and who you think is coming out on top. It's tough, man. I'm I'm it's gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Jets the win here, but I don't think it's gonna be a high scoring game. I think it'll be I'm gonna give a twenty to twenty to ten victory over the for the Jets. I would probably go something pretty similar. I was like in my mind, I'm like twenty four like twenty four twenty, but I don't know because both teams can probably get there. But I think it's realistically more like a 21-17 Jets. I, I think the Jets are – they can take advantage of a really weak Falcon defense. I think they can squeak one out in London. I got them 27-20. Uh, I think our new kicker, Amendola, is going to boot a couple for us. And I think the Jets are going to pull it out. And the Giants fans are now up next. Um, as Johnny, I know you're anxiously watching that Yankees game right now somewhere <laughs> in your room. But um, pr- predict this Jets game for us. Who comes out on top and why? I, I like the Jets 20-17. to 17. I think, you know, the Jet guys said it best. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But you know what? I think Zach Wilson now with more with more NFL experience now is going to get things going. And you have to, I think the preseason has – had an impact on him by not playing in the preseason and not really getting his feet underwater. And now he's had more time. And I think he's going to build off of what was a very good game for him last Sunday. And I think he's going to take it overseas. And, you know, at this point, you have, do I trust the Jets or do I trust the Falcons? Boy, that's, that's a tough call, but I think it's going to be an ugly low scoring game, but I think the Jets will find a way to pull it out in the end, 20 to 17. Kyle. I think the Jets are going to drop 30 on the Falcons, and I think it's going to be a 30 wow. to 24 victory. I think that the Jets' offense starts going. I think you're going to see a lot of deep passes by Zach Wilson, and I think that this is going to be a game, like you guys said earlier, you know, they played a lot of tough defenses. Carolina, we saw in, in now weeks two and week three, we don't want to talk about the week against Dallas, but that they have a really good defense. Denver having a really good defense. The Patriots having a really good defense. Now going up against Atlanta, I think this is an opportunity for – Michael Carter as well to flourish as well. So I think it's going to be 30 to 24 New York Jets. Before wow. I get, wow. Yeah, you, that, that was a bold one. Before I get to my comment, I have 
a comment to pin from Marty Joins from Intercept Your Lunch. Make sure to go check out his podcast. He's a fan of the Washington football team. Marty says, nice prop bet. Falcons first to 20 points under 139. I love it. Team can score and score quick. Also says, Jets get Crowder back. Very underrated wide receiver to help Wilson, as we just mentioned. But, yeah, that's an interesting point by Marty. Um, Atlanta can score quick, but the Jets' offense is starting to come along a little bit. I mean, I know they're towards the bottom tier. In fact, they are 32nd in offense currently, but Atlanta's 32nd in defense. So we're either going to, we're probably going to see some really, really bad, sloppy football when both of those units are out on the field. But I feel more confident in the Jets' offense than the Falcons' defense. However, all of you picked the Jets, so wh- why should I pick them too? It almost makes me feel obligated to take Atlanta, but I'm not doing it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Jets. Nope. I'm gonna take the Jets. Tommy. Very vanilla picking here. You know what? Now that now they're gonna lose, we're all picking the Jets. That's I do the same thing. How this stuff works? I'm well, gonna, I'm gonna take the Jets. I'm gonna take the Jets to lose. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to take the Jets to lose to the Falcons by a final score of 17 to 13. Right That's a good one, Tom. Completely wipes away Marty's profit. <laughs> Tommy, the notebook's back out. Wow, gotta get the, uh, gotta wipe ta- the uh, dust yeah, off that. You ball. gotta be careful. I did not complete the I sentence. I said I'm taking the Jets. I'm taking the Jets. I never said it if it was to win that, or if that. it was to lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was well although, done. For the for the sake of my parents watching on YouTube right now, they're 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 probably very upset at me for saying that because both my parents are Jets fans. But anyway, um, <laughs> I will be rooting for the Jets. I think that was good. What happened? Um, so it's funny. My mom thought my mom's side of the family is all Giants fans, and she thought they were Jets fans growing up. That's how that happened. My dad actually had no influence in my mom's uh, choosing of a football team. So that's very interesting the way that boiled out. And then my grandfather raised me and my older brother to be Giants fans, and then my little brother's a Jets fan. So we are literally split down the middle. It's nuts. Um, yeah, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's all I've got. Dan I'm sorry if I spoiled I spoiled that segment for us. We almost had a clean sweep. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. <laughs> I I pulled the Brian Marbach, Chris. I'm glad you did. I, I was gonna Brian. say that's some that is something Brian would do. He would literally just pick it just because we all we all picked the opposite. <laughs> but it works out because now it gives the Jets a legitimate shot at actually winning the game. And now it gives you guys oh. uh oh. Greg, Greg reads me like a book, man. Uh, Chris, Greg, any final thoughts before you guys hop off tonight? Any final thoughts on, on Brian and on the show in general? Because we really do appreciate having both of you on and taking the time to join us here tonight. You know, just little piece on Brian before I get out of here. Like I said, like Brian was the, the stepping stone for, for all of us, you know, at WCWP. He was our mentor in a way you know he helped us a lot in and out in the studio and outside the studio and you know tom you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for brian i wouldn't be doing my thing if it wasn't for brian you know all of us you know we wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are right now in our 
in our you know professional careers if it wasn't for Brian originally. You know, again, he was he was he was the gatekeeper at WCWP for a while, and we we were able to learn under him. And I credit him to everything in the world that I've been doing right now. And I couldn't be more thankful for what Brian was able to teach me in, in inside the studio. Yeah, I think really Brian has done a lot for me also in terms of doing you know, sports talk shows and also just keeping me a little more calm also because Tom and I, we both um, were running the sports department at that time. Brian was that very even keel all the time, very even keel. He just, you know, came in, did what he had to do, but always was, but he was never afraid to set some extra time aside or come in just that much earlier to help all of us. Um, his effect on the station truly was invaluable. You know, we had a great time with him, and you know it's really unfortunate that he is no longer with us. Uh, do you do a lot of reflecting uh, during moments like this? And he really was such a huge help and such a huge mentor for all of us, because uh, we all learn something from Brian, which is all you can ask for in someone that you meet uh, in just in life. As long as you can learn something new about yourself and from someone else. I think that's a really big thing that I, I really stick to a lot with my life. So if you know, you're able to learn one thing from somebody else to help better yourself and you know, that person will always have a great impact on you. And that's the impact that I always take away from Brian. And he really helped develop the new, like a new, I guess, uh, segment in my broadcasting uh, time at WCWP really helped uh, hone my skills just that much more, and I'll always be indebted to him for that. Absolutely, guys! Thank you so much for joining. Um, you know, we're, we'll continue to honor Brian throughout the show tonight. And after you guys hop off, we're going to have messages from Nick Matina and Matt Weinstein on their thoughts of Brian Marbach. Chris and Greg, thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, guys, so much. Thanks, Tom. Take care, guys. Talk soon. That was Chris Klimazewski and Greg Vavernick. Before we bring James back on into the fold and we start recapping some of these NFL games from week four, a message from Matt Weinstein and Nick Matina. Hi, my name is Matt Weinstein. I'm an alumnus of both LIU Post and WCWP. I had the honor of working with Brian for a few years. I have two special memories I'd like to share, the first of which he was producing those football games when I had first gotten involved. He made sure I knew everything that went into those broadcasts. Um, we were just about attached to the hip the last five or six games of that first season. Any success I had moving forward producing those broadcasts, I owe to Brian. And the second of which, um, Brian's show, Review and Preview, was really the first taste of on-air exposure any of us got when we entered the station. He wanted us to be comfortable. Any questions we had, he'd answer. And when it was time for all of us to start our own shows, I'll never forget. I said, you know, Brian, I think I want to start a wrestling show. And he said to me, you know, I don't know how much help I'll be, but I'll, I'll get you started however I can. And, you know, Brian did just that, whether it was imaging or scripting. You know, I learned a lot from Brian. And that silly little wrestling show, I ended up meeting some of the best friends I'll ever have. And I owe a lot of that to Brian. So thank you, Brian Marbach. We love you. We miss you. And may you rest in peace. Hey, how's it going? My name is Nick Matina. I am an alumnus of LIU and of WCWP Radio, and I had the pleasure of working with Brian Marbach for a couple of years. Uh, I first met Brian uh, my freshman year of 
college at LYU. Um, I was introduced to him um, through the WCWP sports department when I joined for the first time. And, you know, I, I was super nervous to join the sports department and stuff because it's something that I was really passionate about and I wanted to do good in stuff. So, you know, like I got asked to come in on first football Saturday and, you know, with nerves and stuff, but Brian just brought those nerves right down. You know, he was so welcoming and, and just so nice. And if I had any questions, he, you know, he told me to let him know when he could do his best to answer those questions for me and everything. And, you know, he was just an overall incredible person, you know, not only colleague, but friend, you know, and someone you can always rely on. And I remember multiple times, you know, just sharing so many laughs with Brian, whether it be about, you know, the Giants or, or just having fun about, you know, a hiccup or a mistake that someone made on air. And we would just laugh about it and have a good time every Saturday. And I look forward to seeing him uh, every Saturday when we work together. Um, me and Brian had the pleasure of working together uh, during the LIU women's basketball season back when they were Division Two. Um, we did play-by-play and color commentary together. And uh, we both did great. We both flowed together really well. He did an incredible job. Um, and, you know, I'll definitely cherish that memory um, all the time now. And uh, one of my favorite memories has to be, I believe it was that first or second year that we worked together. And it was the uh, radio station dinner, the annual WCWP dinner uh, over in Glen Cove. And we just had a great time together. The whole department, we just, you know, celebrated the whole night of a very successful year, you know, through all the sports and all the programming we did and all that. And, you know, I'll just, I'm going to cherish those memories, you know, every day. You know, I'm going to miss Brian a lot. Um, I'm going to miss, you know, going on Facebook and see him, you know, golfing or, you know, talking about how bad the Giants did or how good the Giants did that week, you know. So, um, Brian, I love you. I'm going to miss you dearly. And, uh, thanks. So, more great messages. That was a long message from Nick, but, I mean, he really hit the nail on the head right there with Brian. Um, as we reintroduce James into the fold here. Welcome back, James. Um, Thank you. It's it, It's been crazy. And, Diane, um, yes, you know, we're very sorry about Brian and what happened. Of course, you know, our thoughts and prayers are, are with you, Brian, his friends and family uh, during this difficult time. And we're all here to put on a show for all of you tonight, talk some sports and try to get everybody's mind off of what's happening, you know, during, during these two plus hours tonight. And Chris has a comment. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Have a great night, Brian. You will be missed um, guys. We're going to kind of do like a power segment. We're going to talk about a few games that happened this past weekend. One surprise is how through four weeks, there's only one undefeated NFL team left. And it happens to be the Arizona Cardinals. They're 4-0. And their offense has scored 30-plus points in every game. Kyler Murray has been outstanding. They went up against the Rams on Sunday, a team that has been portrayed as potentially the best team in the NFC. What do we think about these Arizona Cardinals, Johnny? They're really, really good right now. Uh, definitely something that we would that I would not have said before the season started. That's for sure. But um, no, Kyler Murray looked 
healthy. Hopkins there helps. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely uh, probably the biggest surprise in the NFL so far this season early on. Well, I think the most surprising news has just happened right now. The Dallas Cowboys have released linebacker Jalen Smith. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Jalen Smith is he now a free be, agent. Be in trouble or something. Why would they do that? Right. So that's just crazy to even hold that up process. real quick and but, see if anything came up. Uh, I, I like the Cardinals running game. They've been able to do Chase Edmonds and James Conner. They've been a great duo together. Kyle, the Cardinals had 216 rushing yards on Sunday. Insane. It's just the – it's absolutely incredible just because you you think about really where this Cardinals team was just, just two years ago. Remember, guys, they drafted Josh Rosen, and a, not a year into Josh Rosen, they had the number one overall pick and drafted Kyler Murray. And people were saying, ah, not going to pan out with uh, Kingsbury. Oh, he, he played for Oklahoma, didn't play against any real competition on the defensive side of the ball. And now you just see, and he's become this such an elite, unique type of player where he has a, a tank of an arm, and he makes everybody look silly on the defensive side of the ball when he runs it himself because that's a big contribution to the run game as well, not only having two complementary backs in Chase Edmonds and James Conner, but knowing that he himself can put 50 yards on you rushing, not even talking about his passing game. And then to add guys to uh, – had guys in A.J. Green, having DeAndre Hopkins, Max Williams, who's kind of emerged as a nice tight end for the Arizona Cardinals, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk. I mean, this this offense is, is seamlessly, in a sense, perfect. And, and I don't really see any team necessarily stopping them on offense. And in terms of other teams in the NFL that compete with them offensively, I don't really know if there's that many that can at this point in time. Because we sure know after four weeks of football, and granted, they haven't played, with the exception of the Rams, they haven't really played the greatest of competition in playing the Tennessee Titans, who we've seen their defense has been awful. We've seen in Jacksonville their defense has been awful as well. But my goodness, the offensive numbers that they put up week in and week out, it's just you say to yourself, if they can continue this, who's stopping them, especially against the Rams? The Rams' defense is supposed to be such a prolific Defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey going into this game. DeAndre Hopkins listed as one of his hardest receivers to ever cover, and DeAndre Hopkins had a terrific game against him because Kyla Murray's throwing the football to him and getting open to him. And you say to yourself, not only are they gonna, not only is Kyla Murray leading a race of his own, winning the MVP, at least in my eyes, but who's stopping this Cardinals team? Who's really stopping them? I don't know. I mean, the Rams or the Bucks, right? Those are the only two, and they they just beat the Rams. And you know, the Bucks have been a little pedestrian in some areas of their team. So, I guess my my next question goes out to whoever. Um, you know, Tommy, you could take this one if you want. Are Matt Stafford and the Rams still the NFC West favorites, or is it time to throw Arizona in the mix? Um, actually, we'll re- redirect that. Yeah. We'll, re- we'll redirect that question towards you, James, since we lost Tommy there for a moment. Um, Oh, he's, oh, he's, he's back. back. Tommy, who's okay. running the NFC West yeah, right now? Question? Who's running the NFC West right now? Is it the Rams or is it the Cardinals? Well, 
based on Sunday, it's the Cardinals, and they they look like the real deal. They have a really balanced attack, like uh, Kyle was talking about. They have a really balanced attack. Um, Edmonds and Connor, I mean, that's a great duo. Their receiving is great. Kyler Murray, uh, he's looking like an MVP candidate. And you know what? And against the Rams, th- th- that game was a blowout. The game was. Yeah. It was 37-13 with three minutes and 40 seconds to go in the game. You know, yeah. so that garbage touchdown to make it 37-20 made it look a little closer, but they blew the Rams out. And like Kyle also said, the Rams D is supposed to be with Aaron Donald. And, uh, you know, they're a top D in in the league. Um, maybe they didn't show up this past week, but uh, I think the Rams are for uh, the Cardinals are for real. And they're going to be a force to be reckoned with just, uh, you know, with every um, team's issues, if everyone stays healthy. They're going to be very tough to beat. They also did real quick. They also did a really nice job of containing Cooper Cup, who over the first three weeks of the season seemed absolutely unmatchable. I mean, I granted he did have five receptions with 64 yards, but they did a great job compared to what the previous three other weeks of football teams had done. Agreed 100%. Um, it's been insane what they've been able to do. Now moving on to another team in the NFC who's been very efficient, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady returns home to New England. The Bucks win 19-17. Nick Falk missed a potential go-ahead field goal. The Patriots have now lost each of their first three home games for the first time since 1993. And Tom Brady has officially defeated every team in the NFL, including – New England. And it was interesting because Brady didn't come out of the tunnel until almost 7.30 p.m. It seemed he didn't want anything to do with any of the emotional strings that were attached to this game pregame. And watching through the game, Brady treated it as a normal game. It wasn't until the game was over that Brady was like, well, oh, shit, you know, like now I get to celebrate and reminisce a little bit with my old coaches and teammates. So. I mean, I love that game. It it was a low-scoring game, and Brady and Belichick pretty much dealt each other a stalemate, in my opinion. I think that, honestly, that was probably the the telling tale of this whole game because, to be quite honest with you, just just watching the game, I mean, I know that a lot of people hyped it up, game of the year, most important game ever, whatever, right? That was probably one of the more boring games this Sunday, and that was supposed to be such a great game. It was mainly just – kicking field goals left and right. Tom Brady, you would think, in his return to Gillette Stadium, didn't even throw a touchdown in this game. Now, granted, the weather played a huge role in that, but it was just incredible to me. You know, we, we see things, guys, in sports, and I talk to a lot of people about this, the relationship between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And it'll be, to me, it'll be something like we've seen in the past. I'll reference basketball, like Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant years after they retired from basketball. And years after like Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas, stuff like that where they could reminisce about their enjoyment together, what they accomplished in the league, uh, Shaq and Kobe specifically, what they did together. Because right now, I mean, after we saw, that was like a two-second hug. Every, every single media outlet made it in slow-mo, so it looked like it was something more than it was. But Tom talked after the game and said that, you know, they talked in the locker room, they had their own little conversation afterwards, and – I think that's the way it should have been addressed. They also talked about how the Patriots didn't want to stop the game when Tom Brady eclipsed the passing yards record, uh, and the Patriots didn't want to do that either. So I think it was handled as best as possible. 
Would I have liked to as a fan seen a little more emotion in it? A little bit, but you know what it is what it is. I, I think that for me personally, uh, and I wanted to kind of pose this question to you guys quickly, what does this game say for Patriots fans about Mac Jones and the future of him? That that, that would be my question oh. as a successor of Tom Brady. I, I think Mac Jones is the real deal, unfortunately, for as, as a Jet fan. I think he is the real deal. Um he, he played really well against the Jets. Um, he held his own against uh, the Bucks with Todd Bowles as, you know, defensive coordinator. I, and I hate to say it, I really think he's the real deal. And it pains me to say that. God, honestly. He, he looks so like, too. he looks like Tom Brady 20 years ago. I think he is the real deal. I mean, we saw it. He had a couple touchdown passes in this game, and, you know, he, he's been a lot of fun to watch so far. I know the Patriots are one and three, but, you know, I think they're finding their footing right now. I think Mac Jones really went toe-to-toe with Brady in this game. In fact, you could argue he outperformed Brady at times in this game, and now, granted, Brady didn't have his best friend. He didn't have Gronk with him, which that would have been interesting to see Gronk play in New England against the Patriots people forget that was technically a return for him as well yeah uh, i think he's the real deal johnny what do you think yeah and and that's why i was i posed this i was actually quite surprised that full, they had full kick that 56 yard field goal and that spot i know you want to try and take the lead in that spot but the way that mac jones was playing I'm, i was a little surprised they wouldn't keep him going there on fourth down i mean a 56 yard field goal in sloppy conditions i mean we we saw that a couple of times in week four where, where kickers were kicking 50-plus-yard field goals and missing. And then, like, even in the Carolina-Dallas game, they miss a 50-yard field goal. Dallas goes right back down the other end and scores real quick. So I was actually a little surprised at that point. It almost took away from how great Mac was in that game. Yeah. yeah. And to prove really how great Mac was, I don't know if you guys even noticed this, because I know I didn't. Did you know the Patriots actually finished the game with negative rushing yards? And you would yep. think in a game with torrential rain that they'd actually run the ball more? But, no, they threw 40 passes with Mac Jones, completed 31 of them for 275 yards and two touchdowns. So I agree with you, Johnny. I really do. Yeah, and same thing with Brady. Brady threw 43 times. Yeah. James loves Tom Brady. We mm-hmm. know that for sure. Listen, sure. he didn't he he help my fantasy team. None of these Cowboys players are talking about today. Hey, no, I'll, uh, they did I'll, not help me out whatsoever. So I'm a little, yeah, and I'm a Tom Brady lover. Uh huh. Sure. Okay. Let's move hey, on, Tom. I can I I can like Tom Brady because we we stopped him from being a total and complete dynasty twice. So yes. Okay. I love Tom Brady because we did stop well, him twice. So why yeah. not root? Not why not root for him in every other Super Bowl he ever plays in? That's exactly right. That's why right. I don't have a problem. Everybody says, "Why are you rooting for him?" I'm like, "Because we stopped him twice. I don't care. He gets another one. That's okay. As long as yeah. we're not in it again." It makes our Super Bowls look that much better, you yeah. know? Absolutely, yeah. As a franchise. And that's why when Philly won, that that was the worst day ever. Well, that's the really thing, won. too. I mean, you don't root for Phil. If you're a Giants fan, you don't root for Philadelphia in that Super Bowl. I, I mean, yeah. I, I actually had that debate in uh, baseball a couple of weeks ago when uh, the uh, Mets were taking on the Red Sox. It was like, you're, you're not rooting for the Reds. Uh, you know, a, a Yankee fan, a Mets fan – is rooting for the Red Sox to go against the Yankees. It's just a crazy thing. Like tonight. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. So, oh, oh, hold on, guys. My, 
my brother Mike, who chimed in earlier, he was actually at the game um, this past Sunday night, and he was totally surprised at the reaction of the New England fans. He's actually a Giants fan who lives in Rhode yeah. Island, um, but he, he goes to games with his buddies and stuff like that. But he said that the New England fans were booing Tom Brady at every chance they got. Were you, you guys surprised at that? No. Well, before no, I mean, before the game, before the game, they were kind of applauding him when he was running out with Blaine Gabbert, like he usually runs out with a, the back the quarterback. He said it was a lot of booze, more booze than cheers. I, in the beginning, I think there was some cheers, but listen, at the end of the day, you want your team to win. You want your team to win. Yeah, you want your team to win, well, even if that means Tom Brady's on the other side. Um, yeah. And again, they addressed it. Like I said earlier, they addressed it. They didn't want to stop the game for Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't want them to stop the game when he. They wanted to have a cordial type of experience. So I, I don't agree with it. But at the same time, you know, your your successor is playing the way he's playing. And Mac Jones, I, I want my team to win too. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, um, I get it. But if you know what, as a Jet fan who's experienced zero Super Bowls, if the quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, laugh. Yeah, because it's true. That was the year before you were born that they won, right, Tom? Uh, I was actually the year I am born, Tom. I'm I'm an old man. But, um, yeah, I just missed it. Like, I would have remembered it. But um, if if a quarterback that I had on the Jets won us six Super Bowls and he left, I would give him nothing but love. Six? I'll take one. I mean. 100%. Anyway. Yeah. Um, So moving on. um, I know we talked about Dallas earlier for time's sakes. We're not going to spend any time on them, but I will acknowledge it uh, for James' sake. (laughs) Trayvon Diggs continues to light up the NFL. Two two more interceptions in this game, and Dallas did have 245 rushing yards as they knock off the Panthers for their first loss of the season. But – the Monday night football game last night, the Chargers and the Raiders. This was very interesting because Justin Herbert, three touchdown passes. He is now the first QB since 1950 to complete over 500 passes prior to his 20th NFL start. Um, do we attribute this to Justin Herbert and his early season, early career success or the way the game has changed throughout the course of the years? Or maybe is it a combination of both? I I think he's I think he's just elite, man. I mean, you watch him last year, you know, I I think the coach's name Anthony Lynch, he was finding ways to lose games. Otherwise, the Chargers would have made the playoffs in his rookie season. And now you're seeing him play coming off a win against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Raiders were a 3-0 undefeated team with I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the game in its entirety last night. They were saying how 75% of the fans there were Raider fans. So Basically, nobody there on his side of the ball cheering him on. And the, the guy's got weapons after weapons disposal-wise, but he he's he's making them flourish as much as he's been, as much as they are making him flourish as a quarterback in this league. And it's just crazy to think about because how young he is. And he's come on the scene and and kept this elite level up. There's no sophomore slump. There's no rookie trials and tribulations. He's already establishing himself right now at this point in time as a top top seven, maybe even top five playing quarterback in the league right now. Just realized I had the wrong banner up, so my apologies. Chargers defeated the Raiders 28-14 on Monday Night Football. Not the Raiders defeated the Chargers. No. 
Joey Bosa bashed the officiating. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, or what? A, a lot of there was a lot of questionable call. I think Bosa <laughs> got like a like a personal foul or like uh, roughing the passer or something yeah. called against him. Did you guys yeah. see that play? I, I didn't see the play, but I read uh, a little bit about it today. How um, he was saying, you know, the refs don't know what they're doing. They got to be a little bit better at their job. You know, and, and listen, we've seen plays like that before where. You know, it could go either way, but in today's day and age where you're trying – because I think it was roughing the passer on the quarterback. You know, they're trying to protect the quarterback at all costs, and it's – for a defensive end, a, a guy who's, who's a big sack guy, an edge rusher, it's becoming, a, in a sense, it's hard to know what you can and cannot do when you're going in to hit the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Johnny, I know the Raiders lost this game, but are you bought into them for this season? I know they, they lost their first game. Do you think they could keep up? They're winning ways in general. Hard, hard to say, Tom. You know, with with them, but I'll tell you what I will say is, you know, who probably feels the worst right now are the Dolphins because they passed up on Herbert for Tua. Think how do you think they they feel today? They keep talking about possible, and the rumors continue about um, Watson going there, which I still don't see how that's going to happen, but. Do I think the Raiders can – I mean, you know, it's hard to tell with them because they look great through the first three weeks. I mean, they were rallying and stuff, but, you know, they're, they're another one of those teams that, you know, you just you just can't figure out week to week. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, I think – I think I think that division is the best division in football. I mean, it's hands down. No doubt. Oh, no yeah. doubt. The, the Chiefs are in last place right now. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest overreactions in the first couple of weeks of the season was when the Chiefs were one and two. I mean, the – I mean, the – I have a friend who's an Eagles fan, and he even said, he said, we're getting them at the worst possible time. And, you know, they put up 42 against them on Sunday. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. They just, yeah. you know, tough opponents. Chargers, tough divisional opponent. And I forget who their other loss was to. Um, but it just shows you that the Chargers might be are legit. Who else did they lose to? Denver? No. Denver no, they lost they to Baltimore. Baltimore. That's yeah, Baltimore yeah, Sunday Baltimore. night, yes. By one, yeah. So two good football teams. Two good football teams that could potentially make the playoffs this year. So, yeah. you know, it's just crazy. With that being said, um, guys, who's your team of the week? Team of the week. That's been a minute, mine, too. Mine, mine is the Chargers, actually. Mine is oh, the Chargers. Okay. Back-to-back wins against divisional hmm. opponents and – Looking like they could possibly overtake the Chiefs. So that's my pick for the week. Wow. Team of the week for me. Team of the week here. Real easy pick here. Char- uh, Arizona Cardinals remain the undefeated team, only undefeated team in the NFL starting off the season 4-0. and And like we talked about earlier, absolutely dropped the house on the L.A. Rams who were projected to go all the way to the NFC Championship game, if not be the favorites after their – Previous week win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to go to the Super Bowl. So that's my team of the week, the Arizona Cardinals. Pains me to say, to say it, but I, I think the Cowboys, I mean, to, to, the first half they were pretty quiet against the uh, Panthers, and the Panthers were 3-0 coming in, and then in the second half they steamrolled them and put up 36 against them. You know what? A lot of talk before the season was how healthy was Dak going to be, and and, you know, we were concerned – if you're a Dallas fan, you're concerned about his shoulder going in, but he's looked at dynamite as ever. And even with Lawrence being out defensively, you know what? They haven't really missed a beat. And right now that's their division to lose. 
James? Um, even though they lost, I'm going with the Patriots. They have their franchise quarterback in my eyes with Mac Jones. He's going to turn something special. Bel- Belichick's going to turn him into something special. If it wasn't for that missed field goal, they would have won that game. Would have sent Tom Brady home with an L. My team of the week is the Buffalo Bills. 40 yep. nothing shutout, second largest shutout victory for the Bills in franchise history, who, quite frankly, could be the best team in the AFC. Um, you know, they, they lost to Pittsburgh in week one, but they've run on three straight, and that that's my team of the week. They looked good. They have one of the top QBs in the NFL and the top defense in the NFL right now. I know Matt Milano and Jordan Poyer both left with injuries. I mean, Poyer actually didn't play this game, but Milano left with an injury, which is concerning. So you lost your best linebacker and your best DB, and yet you still pitched a shutout. I get it's the Houston Texans and Mills, but damn, Buffalo's good, and their fans are rowdy. That's for sure. Um, and then, of course, I mean, we know what happens with Urban Meyer, um, how Shad Khan came out making a statement saying that, Meyer's going to have to regain the team's trust and respect. Social media posts went viral of Urban Meyer at a bar in Columbus, Ohio, following Jacksonville's ridiculous loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. And, man, that was just – I couldn't believe that when I saw it. I mean, I understand Urban Meyer used to be the coach at Ohio State, but really, after a loss, I mean, you're you're 0-4. That, that's just not a good look, especially when you're a rookie head coach at the NFL level. So Evan Roberts on the fan today said that he doesn't think that Urban Meyer is going to uh, make the whole year. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, you, you committed to him this much. I, I would never have hired him in the first place. I didn't think he was an NFL coach. And, you know, to try and, you know, develop Trevor Lawrence, it's, it's, it's hurting Trevor Lawrence, I think, his, his development. I mean, I, I don't think bringing in Urban Meyer, who was successful at Ohio State, it's not it's not like Ohio State. And, you know, you can just – you hear his tone after the games, after they're losing. It's like – it's just – do I – I think the only way he's not going to make it through the year is if he resigns himself. I don't think Jacksonville's going to fire him because this was the golden opportunity to do it, but you're not going to bring him in this much and fire him four weeks in. Well, yeah. they, probably can't, they, they probably can't fire him because they, they'll owe him all that money. You know, yeah, that's what I'm. That's 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 another reason too. Yeah, yeah. But I would never, I would never have brought him in in the first place. I mean, let's let's be honest. I don't know what Jacksonville was doing with between that and Tim Tebow, which made absolutely no sense. It was a publicity spot. That's all it was. Urban Meyer only took that job if uh, because they had the number one pick. If they didn't have the number one pick and they weren't getting Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer wasn't taking that job. Yeah, no absolutely. way. No, no way. I mean, he had a great gig at, at Fox with the big noon kickoff there. He didn't have to give that up for uh, for Jacksonville, which was a rebuilding organization. Yeah. Did he, I mean, I know they were hyping Trevor Lawrence to be the, be the best QB, but, I mean, did he really think he was going to go there and magically like this become a playoff team? It's crazy how there's so much hype around Jacksonville this offseason, and they're sitting here <laughs> 0 4. Oh, well, there, there was hype and there was also publicity, Tom. I mean, they brought in Tim Tebow and everybody was talking about how uh, some people were thinking he was going to make the team. And they cut him a week af- after uh, a-, a week into the preseason. Yeah. Urban Meyer may have done that just as a favor to Tebow, you know, just give him one last shot. I mean, yeah. but yeah, 
publicity. Should have kept it for the whole preseason if they were really serious though about that. At least make it for the preseason. Yeah. Then and then if you want to make your cuts afterwards. Well, I, yeah. So guys, quickly here, um, week five is coming up. I want everybody to talk about one game that they view as their game of the week that they're most excited to watch. And I'll start this one off. Um, I'm really excited for Buffalo at Kansas City. This is a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. It will be on Sunday Night Football. We're talking about the Bills, who have the sixth-ranked offense and the best defense through the first month of the season. The Chiefs have the number two offense and Mahomes with 14 touchdown passes. But, you know, the Chiefs, they did give up 32 points to the Eagles last week. And the Bills are really coming around. Stephon Diggs has been quiet, but Dawson Knox has stepped up a lot. And it's crazy how good this defense for Buffalo really has been. They've caused 11 turnovers through their first four games, and I'm picking the Buffalo Bills to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this week. I think they're going to go into Arrowhead and beat them because Buffalo has the best defense. Kansas City's defense is bottom three in the NFL, and it's just insane to even think about. The only thing that I think will keep them in this game is Patrick Mahomes. But is that even enough? They have two losses already. Buffalo's a really, really good football team. And I, I think they're going to come away with this win. And that that's my game of the week, guys. My game of the week, and I know we don't got it uh, listed here on the script, but I really think it's the Giants versus Dallas. That's always a prime time, special kind of atmosphere, especially uh, when it's being played in Dallas. And, again, we talked about it earlier in the show. Really – a momental game for, for both teams, really, just showing really what the Giants are going to be this season. And not that, you know, a win against the Giants is is any safer for Dallas, but really gaining such a tremendous lead, winning a divisional game against the Giants, where that will put them. Because I already consider them, you know, four weeks into the season, I think they're one of the top three teams in football right now based on how they're playing. <laughs> Can we turn him off? Can we move on from him, please? I would love to do that. Uh, James, what's your game of the week? My game of the week is uh, the Rams and Seahawks. Um, Rams coming off that loss and Seahawks 2-2. This, I think, will decide where the Seahawks head this year. Will Russell cook this year, or will he not cook in a sense? Um, it this is the game that makes or breaks Seattle for the rest of the season. The Rams, it doesn't really make a difference because they can easily turn it around for Seattle. It's a big make or break game. Johnny, who do you got? Well, Tom and Kyle took the two that I was gonna we were gonna take, but I'll tell you one game that sounds intriguing and one to look at. We were talking about the Chargers just a moment ago. How about them taking on the Browns on Sunday? Second rank, second rank defense for the for the Browns. See if Herbert can keep it going against that Browns defense out there at SoFi. I mean, that's that's a very intriguing game. and Not one that we would have said years ago, but that's one that I'll keep my eyes on as well as the uh, the Giant game on Sunday. Yeah. Brandon Staley's done a great job, by the way. But, Tommy. All right. Game of the week. Johnny just stole mine. Johnny Uh-oh. just stole mine. Well, we, well, we, all, we all have great minds. We all think alike, so that's a good yeah. thing. <laughs> and I didn't think it was going to make it to Johnny. I thought one of you guys would have got that one first. So I'm just going to have to go with my team. Just going to have to go with the Jets and uh, hopefully they can carry the momentum over to London and come out, come home with the win. 
Yeah, I mean, another game, I think, too, 49ers at the Cardinals. Jimmy G status yeah. in doubt for week five. You know, Debo Samuel has been the leading receiver in, in football through four weeks receiving yards-wise, so that's going to be very interesting, them going up against the undefeated Cardinals, um, see if they could even compete. But at this time, uh, we're going to play another transition, and we'll dive into our last segment of the show for tonight. And obviously, Brian Marbach was a big New York Yankees fan. So we'll transition from the NFL to the Yankees after this message. First, I want to start off by thanking everybody who's reached out, all the condolences, thoughts, and prayers for everybody who knew Brian Marbach and the Marbach family and his friends. And I appreciate everyone who's been there for me over these past few days. It's definitely been tough. You know, this is a very tough pill to swallow. And while we do miss Brian, we want to have his memory live on forever. And he is the reason why I'm here leading this operation of Review and Preview Sports. And on behalf of my team and everybody, to Brian and his family, friends, I just wanted to send all my gratitude and thanks to you and everybody who's helped make Review and Preview what it is. Brian was an awesome person and he was an outstanding mentor who helped me enter my foot into this sports talk show environment and I couldn't thank him enough for it he was a great pal of mine on radio shows on college broadcasts and I couldn't think of a possible better guy to be my mentor and for that Brian I will always love you and I really do appreciate everything you've ever done for me for all of my colleagues friends family members and just thank you so much for everything Brian we love you. We miss you. Thank you so much, everybody. So the theme continues throughout the night, remembering Brian Marbach. And we have one segment left tonight. I know we've run a little over, but we've had a lot of good stuff here tonight. So I'm sure Brian would be very proud of us right now. I remember Brian's last show ran like 15 minutes over. And Dan Cox was fortunate enough to give us that time. But Johnny, I know... The, the, the last hour, your eyes have just went up to the left of that TV, and I just, oh. checked the, I just checked the score, and it's not looking good. So maybe Brian can put some good luck into the Yankees' bats right now. Uh, I got I got to break out the rally cap myself here because we need we need a little bit of help right now. It's not looking not looking good early on, but I'll, I'll say this real quick about the Yankees since we're talking about them. If you would have told me before the season that they would have had, uh, they would have had under. You know, a, an underperforming year at a first base, second base, shortstop, third base, and center. Le, their starting left fielder and center fielder, and catcher, and most of their bullpen. And you would have told me that they would have won ninety-two games and been in the wild card. I would have signed up for it because I mean, this was a year that really they were that Judge and Stanton carried them, and you could see what they could do when they're actually healthy and on the field together, and. You know what? They're in the wild card game. I mean, yeah, they were expected to win the division. I thought they'd win the division, but I mean, after giving you all I just gave you, I mean, it's actually kind of amazing that they're actually in this wild card game. And yeah, no, it's not good. They're down three nothing early on, but uh, no, it's actually almost in some ways it's kind of uh, you know, shock. It's shocking, but it's also almost a relief that they're actually playing in the wild card game when you think about it. Oh, boy, it's not uh not looking good right now. Down. Three nothing in the what are we in Johnny? I think the bottom of the bottom, third top of the bottom, 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 bottom three. It's, it's not looking good right now, and I know that a lot of Yankee fans and, and something that I shared 
uh, with a lot of my friends as well today is that not only were we worried about the bats showing up, but but Garrett Cole performing. With the exception of the games in September against the Angels in Baltimore, he really wasn't looking that great. Did not have a terrific ERA in the month of September. And already let up a huge home run to Xander Bogarts uh, when they had two outs on the board before they gave up that two-run shot. I, I mean, this is going to be – this is such a pivotal game for this Yankees franchise, really. Again, because, Johnny, you know, as a Yankee fan yourself – yeah. How many years can you keep on going like this? I mean, it feels like year after year we said the Yankees are going to win 100 games. They're going to win the division. They don't wind up doing it. They wind up playing in the wild card, it seems like, every single year. For the most part, they win. But now being down early, now three runs in the bottom of the third, it's like how much – what is the winning formula, essentially? What is it? Well, it's it's hard to say because, I mean, if, when, you, when the year started, this was pretty much the exact same team that was one home run away from – making it last year. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was hard to say going to this year, but, you know, like I started, like I, like I said, the biggest problem they had this year was really their offense and that they had underperforming years from almost every one of their starters. I mean, outside of, you know, Judge and Stanton, and maybe I'll even give you Gardner, who wasn't even a starter to start the year, it's, you know, offensively they never gotten going. And now I'll tell you, I, I think LeMahieu not being, not being here – in this game and, and possibly longer is also a hit. I mean, I actually liked what they did with the lineup tonight. They had Rizzo leading off, you know, who's an on-base guy, and they put Tor- they put uh, Velasquez in a, in a shortstop great defensively. That's something I would have done. But, um, you know, they're going to have to rally, and if they could keep it at 3 nothing, I mean, the Red Sox bullpen, I don't trust them. So we'll see. Well. Garrett Cole's on the mound against Nate Yavaldi, and the Red Sox had to use Chris Sale on Sunday just to get into the playoffs, as where the Yankees used ta- uh, they used Jamison Talion, and the Yankees were able to squeak out that win. And the AL wild card race was insane; it literally went down to the last day, and there was talks about a four way tie, and it was crazy that some Yankee fans were actually telling me that they wanted to see a four way tie and to see what would happen in that case. And, I mean, just to go ballistic and have insanity erupt in the AL playoff race. And, you know, it's crazy. We're sitting here now, this wild card game, and Boston doesn't even have J.D. Martinez tonight. Like their best power hit, and they still have three. I mean, Kyle Schwarber has been an outstanding addition for this team. Xander Bogarts has been pretty rock solid all year long. So, I hate to say it, Yankees are in trouble right now. Yeah, they they are. And I, I think I speak for a lot of Yankee fans as well. I think they wanted the chaos not only for the enjoyment of the chaos coming down right down to the end of the season at game 162, but because nobody wanted the Yankees to wind up ending having to play Boston, especially in Boston. Yeah, I think that's why the chaos erupted. I think that was one of the more unfavorable matchups, at least in my personal opinion, that oh, I did not want to see guys, happen. They just took Cole out of the game. You put two, two on, nobody out, and they just took him out of the game. Oh boy. oh, boy. So they're in the bullpen. So Cole went two-plus in his biggest start of the year. Not good. He hasn't been the same pitcher since he had that ham, since he had that hamstring uh, injury, even though he didn't miss a start. He hasn't been the same pitcher since that hamstring. And I don't want to say that that gives him any excuses, but you can sometimes tell with pitchers when they're pitching through injuries or something, whether it's their arm or it's their legs, and then they now become the same pitcher and they have to be something else. 
actually a perfect example of that was like with the Grom because he had, you know, shoulder problems and elbow problems and then he tried doing other stuff and he ended up hurting himself more. So I don't know that, if the hamstrings that, been it, but he hasn't been, been the injury, fellas. No, no, it, it wasn't an injury. No, they the trainer never came out. That was Boone that took him out. He he gave up a home run to Schwarber and then put two on with nobody out, and they took him out after 50 pitches. They're desperate. I mean, it's 3 nothing wow. right now. They can't make it go out of reach. And, Johnny, you were talking about Evaldi. You were talking about Evaldi. Evaldi's only at 39 pitches through three innings. So you, the Yankees are going to be having to worry about the Red Sox bullpen, at least not till maybe the seventh, eighth and, inning. And, Kyle, that's why I actually like the Yankees in this game before the game started because this is actually the seventh time this year that they're actually facing Evaldi. Think about that. In the sixth meeting, in the sixth series before they played, they he started every one of those series, and then they got him in the wild card game. You would think six, seven times through in the season they actually would know what they're dealing with. Now, granted, this is a little bit of a different team. The lineup's a little bit different than uh, before, but, I mean – they could still come back, but I'll tell you, you got to keep it at three nothing here just to have a chance. Yeah, yeah. to just think that. But you would the, think they would leave their uh, ace in. Uh, you know, the guy they paid over thirty million dollars to a year, try to get him to settle down. You yeah. know, and keep you in the game because is your bullpen better than Gary Cole? No, oh, I mean, uh, I mean, you know what? That's the thing. I mean, shaky all year, but I mean. I still would trust the Yankee bullpen over the Red Sox bullpen. I have to see who uh, they're bringing in. I mean, I've been, I've been going back and forth here. Yeah. I'll say this. Yeah. In all my years of doing this show, this is the first time I've actually had a legitimate play, uh, playoff game go on while I'm uh, on the air, and that's a pretty good feeling. It's multitasking. Yeah. It's a pretty good feeling. It is a great feeling. You know, what's crazy is Cole came into this game leading the American League in wins this year, 16 wins, and – you know, it's just astonishing that right now he's out after two-plus innings. And I guess Boston, you know, Schwarber had that home run. Cole gave up two home runs. So, you know, it's crazy to even think about that. And Rizzo's leading off tonight for the game. I'm just looking at these stats right now. Uh, Schwarber and then Bogarts had the other RBI. He had the other home run. So, yeah, it's it's been something for the Yankees right now. James, you've been awfully quiet. Yeah, any, pr- any predictions for this game? James is just enjoying himself right now. He's just I am, you know, the, the only thing that I'm I'm letting you guys go on, um, but I see how much of a frustration it is. You guys make the wild card almost year in year out. You guys almost win the division year in year out, and you guys don't seem happy about being in it. Shit, us Mets fans would love to be in it, and you guys are like, oh my god, this, and I'm like, really? You're you're at least in the playoffs, like. Well, I win 100 games this season. I'm like, I'm also playing devil's advocate here, um, just so everybody knows. But I'm like, really? We barely won 70 games. Like, shit, 72 games seems accomplishment for this team. He goes, oh, we won 100 games. I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, I, I get there's high expectations, but like I said, I mean, if you would have told me before the year they would have underperformed at seven out of the, the oh. nine positions and no. then – and they actually yeah, win the playoffs. I think it'd be a, it's actually kind of a miracle. That is when you were listing off how many of their how many players underperformed. I'm like that is like how they even make it this far. Um, my cousin's also at this game, so I kind of don't want to jinx them because I know if they, yeah. So I'll, I'll touch base with him how that went. Um, but listen, whatever happens to you, your Yankees, best of luck to them. If uh, you know, 
I may root for them. I may not. It depends. Um, hockey season's right around the corner, so that's my attention now, along with football. Yeah, next, so, week, but, next week, right? Yeah, next and I, week. You're, and you're an Islanders fan, I see? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so that'll be one thing you and I disagree on. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Ranger fan, so we'll uh, we'll have some nice friendly debate. Cool. <laughs> Me and Tom have that too. Yeah, hey, I, they're they're better they're a better they're a better team than the Rangers. So right now, I have no I, I have no no argument in that. Yeah. No, you guys are a good team coming up. So and you know what? So, and I don't want to just go off topic real quick, but I love the fact that you know Belmont, that my hometown of Elmont, New York, where I lived my first twenty five years, will now be put on the map more than just once a year. They'll be put on it for at least forty one more times. Yeah, yep. it's crazy. Yeah, and for you guys, hopefully more. Yeah, um, I, I think right now. We're, we're in a very interesting time in New York sports. You know, the Mets don't have a manager. The Islanders have a new stadium. The Yankees are in the playoffs right now. And the Giants and Jets both won a football <laughs> game this week against playoff teams from last year. So I saw a stat that uh, the Giants and Jets today, they won, they won on a Sunday together for the first time since 2019. <laughs> Gosh, that's terrible. That's, that's, yeah, that's it was terrible. December twenty. I saw that stat too. It was December twenty second, I believe, if I remember right. Yeah, Something like that. The, it had to be the Washington game where Caden Smith scored the touchdown against Washington. The chase. The chase. Oh young yeah, game. that might have been the. That yeah. might have been the week that the Jets Chase Young game. Yeah. Actually, no. I think the Chase Young game was the week before that. It might have been. I forget. Anyway. No, that was um, that was the Chase Young game where we went to overtime. <laughs> Quickly here, I'm picking Boston in this game. They're up 3 nothing. They're threatening. I think the Yankees could rally for a run or two, but I'm going with the Red Sox. Well, Clay Holmes got out of that jam. He just got a double play to get out of that inning, so it's still 3 nothing. Awesome. I mean, look, I hope the Yankees win. I know hopefully luck is on their side. Tommy, <laughs> you think the Yankees are coming back from this hole? Uh, if their bullpen holds up, um, they can definitely. I mean, they are—they obviously have the offensive five power to get back in any game. Uh, if their bullpen holds up and can hold uh, the Red Sox down, absolutely. Uh, what do I think is going to happen? Uh, um, I'm, I'm sorry, Yankee fans, I'm trying to make you mad, but I, I think the Red Sox is going to hang on here. Because let's just let me just ask you: if it gets down to the eighth, ninth inning. And Aralis Chapman is in the game. You feel confident with him now? Because he's been shaky all year. It's not even it's not even Chapman for me. It's Chad Green. It seems like the last two, three months, every time he gets in around the seventh, eighth inning, they're blowing a lead. Yeah. True. I mean, now, and now they're at the beginning of the bullpen and they haven't gotten to the end yet, which <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, they just, well, just used Holmes right now. Yeah. Um well I believe when I – so moving on to the other wild card game, the the National League, and then we'll make our World Series predictions, and then we'll play the tribute video. Um, Adam Wainwright, tomorrow night, 40 years old, 17 wins this year against Max Scherzer of the L.A. Dodgers. And my World Series pick before the season began was the Dodgers over the Yankees, and they're both playing in wild card games right now. So – and I just – I just went back on my word to say that Boston's going to win this game because right now it's not looking too good for the Yankees. But um, 
Dodgers over Yankees was my original pick for the World Series. And this game tomorrow night is going to be a classic, I think. Scherzer and Wainwright. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I saw Wainwright at City Field a, a few weeks ago, uh, right after 9-11, and he's good. He still has it. I mean, you got him. You got Yachty out there. I mean, they have a lot of good veterans on that team. Dylan Carlson's come on nicely in the second half of the season. Of course, you got Goldie at first base and then, you know, Nolan Arenado. So that team's good. And they're going to give the Dodgers some problems. But I mean, I think the Dodgers at home, that's going to be a little too tough for St. Louis to overcome. Yep. And Tyler O'Neill, too, has been absolutely terrific this year for the Cardinals. But uh, I know, Tom, that was my same prediction, Dodgers versus Yankees, except I had the Yankees winning, but not looking <laughs> too hot right now. Yeah. Um, Johnny, Tommy, James, who are your World Series predictions, and who comes out of that wild card game tomorrow night? Um, want me to take it first? Sure. Yeah. All right, wild card game, I'm going to go upset here. I'm going to take the Cardinals tomorrow night over the Dodgers. Uh, one thing to keep in mind with the Dodgers, Mac, M- Max Muncie is not going to play. He got hurt last game of the season on Sunday uh, with that throw to first base and the runner running into his, his arm. Um, I would never count the Cardinals out of anything. I mean, they had a seven – just think about it. They had a 17-game winning streak just to get to this wild – just get to get to this one-game wild card. And like you said, Adam Wainwright has been phenomenal this year. Nothing to take away from Scherzer. But I think the Cardinals magic, they find a way to do this every year. Now, will they go far? I don't think they're going to go far, but I think they will win tomorrow night. Out of the American League, I got to tell you, I think it's going to come down to either the Rays or the White Sox. And Tampa finds a way to do – is there any team in any sport that does more with with less than Tampa Bay? Um, I'm going to take the Rays out of the American League and in the National League. Boy, I I love the Giants. What they've done, I they we've always been wondering if they're going to fall off, and they haven't done it this year. So, I I don't see how I don't see any way they're going to fall off right now. I'm going to say it's going to be the Rays and the Giants in the World Series. Tommy, uh, I agree with um, with Johnny on on one end of it. I I, I think the uh, the Rays are going to come out of the American League East. I think the winner of this game that we're watching tonight, I don't think they – not that they don't have a chance against the Rays. I just think that the Rays are just – they're just too good. And uh, on a side note, the Mets need to hire somebody out of that organization to run the Mets because, <laughs> I mean, they, they just win with no payroll. It's, it's absolutely insane. Imagine what they could do with the payroll. But anyway, I, I, I think it's the Rays out of the American League. And I disagree with John on, on uh, uh, San Fran. I think the Dodgers are the best team in the uh, National League. Max Muncy's um, injury does hurt them, but I think they're the best team. I think they're going to beat the Cardinals tomorrow. Um, so I think it's going to be the Dodgers and the Rays, and I think I think the uh, Dodgers are going to repeat. James? Um, tonight's game, Boston's winning, uh, NL Dodgers. I think I had them actually facing the Yankees in the world series. I'm going Dodgers all the way. Um, coming out of the AL, um, you'll see the Rays, Dodgers, Rays, Dodgers, Rays. I got that Dodgers. 
All right. We're getting a lot of the same stuff here, Kyle. Yeah, I agree with Tommy. I, I think the Dodgers, even though the Giants won the NL, I think the Dodgers are the best team in the NL. And I think that you're going to wind up seeing the Dodgers win tomorrow night against the Cardinals. You're going to see them beat the Giants. And I think they're going to wind up facing the Rays, a rematch of last year's World Series. Um, not to defend Johnny's point, but I, I do think you can't write the Cardinals off, right? They, they won 17 in a row. I saw them play in September, and they were really good. However, the Dodgers are on a seven-game winning streak of their own. And when you have Julio Urias, you have Walker Biller, and you have um, Clayton Kershaw, you have aces on the mound left and right, Max Scherzer, uh, that's too much for me personally to not pick them to win the World Series at this time. But – they have to get past the Cardinals tomorrow night. If they get past the Cardinals, they should be the favorite to come out of that National League. I think they're slightly better than the Giants. Jake McGee has been a little banged up. I know you know, they're on the verge of getting him back, which is good. But I do think the Dodgers and, and the Giants, if, if they happen to meet, they're going to have a very interesting series. My World Series pick, um, I think the Dodgers go back-to-back. Back. I'm going to stick with them and um, – you know what? I think um, I'm going to go a little different here. I'm going to go with the Chicago White Sox out of the American League. I'm going to take the uh, Dodgers over the White Sox as my World Series pick, just to be a little bit different. Although I won't be shocked if it's Tampa Bay. But all right, guys. Just a heads up for all of us that have picked the Dodgers, and I knew this before I made my selection. Uh, yeah. Clayton Kershaw hasn't been the postseason picture, pitcher, but – He's also out for the rest of the postseason. So that could obviously affect them, but, um, yeah, he's out for the rest of the postseason. I'm not changing my pick, but yeah. that, that's just something to consider. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're still a good baseball team. But um, So before we get to our final thoughts, we're going to play one last reaction video from Tommy Mack, and then we will share our final thoughts on Brian Marbach. Hi guys, uh, Tom McNamara here. So sad that Brian's gone. Um, I would say my favorite memory is when we first reconnected and we met at the park and ride. And the whole way in, he was calm and cool, would tell me to relax. I was just gonna observe that day. And then the student that was supposed to do the show with him didn't show up and he had me sit in with him. And he made me feel good. He said I did a good job afterwards. And it was a lot of fun. I remember driving home that day. I'm like, oh my God, I just did a radio show. And I did it with my friend Brian. And my next memory is my last one. And that's when we played golf together uh, a couple weeks back. And he was awesome that day. It was the best round I've ever seen um, from a golfer. And he was great, and he was encouraging to me, even though I stink. Um, he's a good friend, and he'll be missed. Thank you. All right, Tom. Um, yeah, excellent words by you. Definitely very emotional uh, thing to do for all of us that that did videos. And Johnny and Tommy, you know, I know the three of us had a very close relationship with Brian and Kyle as well, to a degree. So, you know. I know Brian would be very proud of us tonight. We just did a two and a half hour show um, without him. And, you know, he's, he's watching down on us right now. He's saying, Tim, you guys got to get off air soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, guys, 
Um, any final thoughts on Brian Marbach before before we uh, sign off tonight? And I'll start with James. Um, just watching you guys tonight with everybody he impacts, you know, it, it shows that he impacted all of you guys in a special way. Um, and I see that from Tommy, Johnny, uh, Kyle, Tom, we got Chris, Greg, um, probably forgetting people as, you know, the night went on, but I saw how much he impacted everybody individually by sitting backstage, seeing you guys all talk, talk about him in different segments and whatnot it shows that he really impacted you guys in a very special way. And I'm glad to be part of this tribute to him, but also being glad, Tom, you are able to tell me memories about him that you had. Um, so I just, again, my condolences to all one, two, four of you guys, um, you know, it and his family. But listen, you seem like a great guy, and I know he's watching down on each and every one of you and helping you guide in whatever life takes everybody in. Whether you're having a good day, I'm sure you can think about him. He'll brighten your day up. If you're having a great day, I'm sure he's looking down on you and happy about what, what you're doing. So, um, Tommy, that goes for you at the golf game. I, I play golf myself, so some bad days, you have bad days. So, you know, I'm sure he'll be looking down and trying to brighten you up when you're having a bad hole or whatnot. So, Kyle. Thanks. Yeah, I, this uh, Greg said it when he was on it. I think he, he said it. You know, one of the best out of us tonight is that, you know, you meet people in life and they teach you little things. You learn a little bit of something from each and every person that you run into. And you really don't realize it until you reflect back in times in these moments. And like I said earlier in my early statements about Brian, just really just a kid in high school, not really knowing a direction, interning at a radio station and really being able to really understand my love and passion for not only talking sports, but radio in general and doing these talk shows and being over to being able to shadow that because of Brian originally before joining the crew, Tom, you took over. So all the thanks and love in the world uh, for Brian and, and his family for, you know, really introducing me to, to my love and for my passion, because without him being there and giving me the opportunities that he did and having the conversations that he did with me and, and even back to the 10 year anniversary show, nothing but kind words to, say about me and, and, and everybody, a, a part of this crew. And, and they'll be dearly missed. And my condolences to his family, his friends, his loved ones, and, and to all of you guys here tonight. Uh, may you rest in peace. Um, I guess uh, I'll go next here. Um, like I said, Brian was the absolute, you know, most hardest working person that I met at WCWP that wasn't a, a student he just he brought his a game every single day and you know i love him to death he gave me an opportunity i thought that i would never have um i was very introverted growing up i didn't talk a whole lot and i wasn't comfortable talking a whole lot and now i'm sitting here doing a half hour show and you know that's thanks to brian when james first met me in spanish 101 in college yeah we we were the quiet guys that sat in the corner and didn't say much. And now look at us. We're hosting our own sports talk show on a huge platform and network. And Brian, I know I said it at the beginning of the show and I'll say it again. We love you. We know you're watching us tonight. And Brian, I'm going to miss you so much. You're a great friend of mine. And I hope that we're making you proud on this show. Johnny. I'm so glad I got to know him and he came and he was able to come along and I was able to help help him 
start with the show as well because I remember day one when he walked into the to the station to watch and learn about the show, how to run the show, how to do all the behind the scenes stuff and all the on on the air stuff, and then he got to be on the air, and then he took over for me when I moved down here to South Carolina and even you know off the air being able to talk to him about you know anything life sports it, it really goes more than just being more than just this show and i think you guys have said it too you know all being close with you of uh, being close with him if you wanted to talk to him about anything he he could if you needed him for anything he would be there and again you know him traveling as much as he did going to the station and home to do a one or two hour show every week just showed how dedicated, how passionate he was to the show and how much he really enjoyed doing it and really how friendly he was for all of us. And we're going to miss you, Brian. Tommy, any final words on Brian? Yeah, I, I, I am so glad that my parents and his parents were friends and that they were the reason that we got reconnected. And um, my condolences. To Brian Sr., Linda, his mother, and Chandra. He's a friend that's going to be missed. Brian. We used to talk every uh, Monday. We used to talk every Monday. And it would start from, hey, how's work? How's the personal life? And then all of a sudden it would transition to review and preview. Like on the, on the phone. We'd talk about sports the whole ride until he's just pulling up to work. And I'd love to take that call again. That's all. Thanks a lot, Tommy. And Brian was an outstanding human being an outstanding individual and Brian really was an amazing person and an amazing person to all of us. And that's why we're all together here tonight. And, you know, Tommy, you, you know, we're, we're always a phone call away or a text message away and we're all here for you and um, your parents and Brian's family. And I would go back out to the Hamptons again, if I could tomorrow um, to, to do anything I can to help out at any degree. Um, Brian Marbach, may you rest in peace. You will be missed dearly. We love you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, folks, uh, at this time, just want to announce that on a much lighter note, Review and Preview will be launching our merchandise next Monday, October 11th on Bonfire, our first ever Review and Preview merchandise. So feel free to check that out, buy some Review and Preview products. Um, we're really excited to launch that. Dominic Danielli is, has been awesome helping us behind the scenes with that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then tomorrow night, you can tune into our weekly baseball show with Hank and Dichter. 
And then I'll be back live with Hank and Sam Cardona on Thursday night for our weekly New York Giants talk show. All right, fellas. Uh, any final words of wisdom? This has been so much fun. I really appreciate all of you joining us in this very um, tough time. I think we made the most of this tonight and had fun when we could, even though these circumstances. Tom, I do want to say I want to I want to thank you and I want to thank you guys for the show tonight because it has been a very difficult last 10 plus days since the news broke. And I'm glad as emotional as we all got, I'm glad that we were able to reflect and remember him and then also, you know, put a show together like he would have wanted us to. And for that, I want to say thank you. Brian, we love you. We miss you. Thank you so much, everybody.